This is Comic Geek Speak, episode I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Brian Christman. And I'm Chris Everly. Tiptoe through the previews. <laughs> all the brand new <laughs> comics you can buy. Come tiptoe through the previews <laughs> with us. Word, word, word. Well, yes, that's, that, that, that's part of my name. Don't wear it out. <laughs> Welcome back to Comic Geek Speak and our monthly previews episode. Something we all look forward to all month long. We get the uh, previews catalog and just traipse through it and talk about every, anything and everything that uh, tickles our fancy for that month. And the timing is excellent because DCBS updated their website with the March pre, uh, previews within the last half hour. Really? Yes. Oh, I must refresh. Perfect. Yes. You, now, the, the banner top, <laughs> the banner isn't, but all the details, all the specials. So I got that ready to go for my end. That's my contribution. Is, that's half off. That's 40%. That's my uh, contribution for this episode here. You today. are the wind beneath my wings, sir. Uh, I have a lot of wind <laughs> under my wings. That's true. <laughs> you have to tell people about your uh, new uh, Well, I, I, t- I tweeted there, that out, the picture did of you? I did. <laughs> Well, the that's bird right. is pants an analog for Bette Midler or Barbara Hershey? Bette Midler. I was thinking Bette Midler, yeah. <laughs> the divine Ms. M. I come back and this is how I'm treated. People wonder why I was away for so long. Your dreams were your ticket out, but you came back anyway. Yeah, I'll come back. And uh, whenever we record our comic talk is where I will go into great detail about my trip to LAM London. So stay tuned, mm-hmm. faithful listeners. Yo, that is coming soon. All right, well, since you're going to be our DCBS man on the street, would you like to uh, tell our folks about the, the sponsors? I will do my best. You caught me off guard there, sir. <laughs> so this episode of Comic Geek is brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service. Go to dcbservice.com for all your pre-ordering needs. As usual, right off the top, any DC, Marvel, Dark Horse Image comics you pre-order through them are 40% off. They do also sometimes earn a lot of specials, a lot of half-offs, and I've even seen up to 60% off, even a little more, in the discounts for them. Um, and most of your other independents between 20 and 35% off. Again, discounts may vary. Um, you, can, you can pre-order late if I'm looking at you two guys, because I always pre-order myself like, right away when I get <laughs> yeah, home. I'm usually last day. Actually, yeah, when I get home, those guys. When I get home, I will do my pre-order. When I, <laughs> no, I, I swear to God, if I don't do what I'm going to forget about it. But, you know, they, they accept late orders. You can uh, just order a lot of like they individual variants. If you're looking for a variant cover, you can order those individually. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's discounts on all their toys and other things as well. And you can get them shipped to you weekly, twice monthly, or monthly. Um, am I missing anything out here? Oh, uh, excellent customer service. Well, obviously, that goes without saying. Non parel. At the end of the uh, ordering process, you can add bags and boards if you like. I, I, I do get bags and boards. Do you? Uh, I well, don't. I, mean, I do because I'm just that's how I like them. Yeah. But yeah, we've we've been with them for for a long time. Oh yeah. Yep. They're they're great people. They're uh, I've, I've met Cameron and uh, Christina many times on convention trail. They just recently they get the Comic Pro conference up in Oregon, I believe. So I know good things are coming from them, and look forward to seeing them on the trail this year. Uh, so, again, check them out. Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. And it's a special 
not a special, but as a, I guess they're not listening, but they are listening. I had some folks in London request to have DCBS shipped to the UK. <laughs> it's like, I think they can, but it's going to cost you a pretty penny. Mm-hmm. So I guess they wouldn't have a physical location over there is what I guess they're getting at. <laughs> I'm sure they hear that all the time from people around the world yeah. who listen to our sort of other podcasts that uh, have them as sponsors. Yeah, but sure. Rest assured, the minute they find a cost-effective way to give you what you want, they will do it. <laughs> right now, it's for the good old US of A, so dcbservice.com. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, one or two other uh, – uh, Well, no, I, I know what you're going to say. It's so the, the birthday, right? Uh, oh, yes, yes. But one other thing before we get to that. Ah. Uh, one other bit of uh, CGS business. Uh, we recently recorded our uh, Comic Geek Speak Best of 2015 Awards nominations show. I'm just encouraging everyone once again to go to the comicforums.vanillaforums.com to the uh, on-topic forum and find the thread entitled Best of 2015 Awards, The Final Vote. Go in there and uh, find a complete list of nominees, and uh, please email us our ballot at uh, your ballot. Uh, we vote for as many uh, in as many categories as possible, and send your votes to bestof at comicgeekspeak dot com. Uh, there's complete voting instructions there as well. Please get your votes in by uh, Sunday, March thirteenth, in order to participate in the selection of the final winners. What is the time frame? Uh, that would be eleven fifty nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time on that day. That is the deadline, Which and it's, is, it is hard and fast. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So thank you for everyone who's voted so far, but we want to maximize that voter turnout, so please vote early, vote often. Well, no, you can't vote early and <laughs> yeah, often. Not, you can vote early. It's just what people say. Vote early, I, vote once per person. Per, per email or per person? We're just being funny. <laughs> yes, We're trying to, in any event. Yeah, there's one, yeah I, I, don't, I forget if that's actually a part of the official voting instructions, but yes, please vote only once. <laughs> and even if you do vote more than once, I won't count it. So. <laughs> All right, Pants here. I want to interrupt the frivolity here for a minute to uh, make a little bit of an announcement. That happened actually after the recording. Uh, our friend and uh, co-host Matt and his wife Megan welcomed their second child on this Sunday, March 6th at 7.32 a.m. Uh, they have now a son, uh, Evan Roberts. So welcome, Evan, to the CGS family. Uh, and I also wanted to read a little tweet that Matt put out about how they got to the name Evan said, Evan is named after Chris Evans, who reminds us of our lost friend Jamie, a huge Cap fan whenever he plays Cap. So I just wanted to get that out there. Congratulations again to Matt and Megan. We now return you to Three Guys and a Murd, already in progress. And another word here from uh, by a special request. Uh, we'd like to send birthday wishes out to one of our listeners in the UK. A uh, gentleman's name is Adam, and he lives in Banbury, Oxfordshire, England. And uh, he's, his birthday will be uh, March 8th, which is when this episode is scheduled for release. So uh, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you, Adam. From, happy birthday. From Sarah. Yes, happy. I'm wondering if he was the Adam I met over at, over at the LSCC because there was an Adam who I met over there who got me some Doctor Who goodies. And we met him last year. He gave me some. I think you met him as well last year. If it's, it's the same one I'm thinking of, certainly possible. It's completely I mean, different, Adam. There's got to be more than one Adam <laughs> who listens to our show in the UK, perhaps. But so it might not be the same one. Odds are in favor of that. But whichever Adam you happen to be, happy, <laughs> happy birthday from your lady Sarah and from all of us here at CGS. And speaking of guys named Adam and women who think well, that they're pretty okay. Thing. One more quick thing. Also, March seventh. Is the eleventh anniversary of Comic Geek Speak? I'm going to mention that. That's true. Hooray! <laughs> well, you mentioned March eighth, and they, so it's it's true. Happy eleventh so birthday! It will have happened by the time we release this. But yeah, what, bu- what is, happy belated birthday to ourselves. What does the eleventh birthday get you there? Eleventh um, <laughs> afternoon tea. Oh, you know how sometimes you get like uh, like anniversaries yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You get okay. like, you know, like paper, like paper or, gold, you know, silver. I'm not sure if one, the eleventh is one of the special ones, but. 
maybe the eleventh is, is comics. The traditional gift is steel. The modern gift is fashion jewelry. <laughs> nice. So we have CGS rings coming. We'll All matches. Send us some girders. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm sorry. Before that, uh, that birthday message, I was, as I was beginning to say, uh, speaking of Adams sorry. and uh, the lady friends of Adams, we have special guests for this previews episode. <laughs> we've been waiting patiently in the wings as we've gone through all this palaver here at the beginning oh, of the show. Oh, they're rolling their eyes. <laughs> these, uh, these folks have been fixtures on the uh, American comic and anime convention circuits for years now. Uh, they are self-publishers extraordinaire. They're good friends of ours, and they've come to join us for this previews episode. Everyone, please give a rousing CTA. Welcome to Adam Withers and Comfort Love. Welcome back to the show, well guys. <laughs> well, thank you so much. We are super happy to be here. Yeah. And it's honored, nice to be here. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be here on something that we're fairly passionate about, which is uh, you know, the previews. Buying comics. Yeah. yeah. And Adam and Comfort. That's how our business survives. It's important. I was going to say Adam and Comfort are convention staples. I've seen them yes. at so many conventions. Now, have you been to a convention yet this year? Yes. yes wow. We have. Already. Wow. AlmaCon in Alma, Michigan, which right. is a well, it's quaint local. little town with a great big heart and is cold as hell in February. <laughs> anyway. That's- we're it's at, nice to get out of the house for a while. It's nice to get out of the house, and we're at the point uh, that we've gotten so many conventions and, uh, you know, comics and stuff like that, um, and the how-to book for Random House, that people, like, invite us to their show, and they pay our, all our expenses and everything like that, so it's very nice. It's a big change from when we met you guys back in 2008 when we were having to, like, barely make it through and had to live in Flint, Michigan and such. Yeah, it was it was pretty rough going to all those conventions and just holding up the porridge bowl thing <laughs> everywhere we went. Well, you guys, lived in Flint, you guys lived in Flint, Michigan. We lived in yeah. Flint, Michigan. I was born and raised in oh, beautiful really? Flint, Michigan, where the sun always shines. I love you. And uh, <laughs> moved away for college, and we moved back uh, around 2009. We're there for about five years, yep. six years. Then. Well, uh, we moved there because we wanted to really get our career started. And yes. uh, in order to do that and make this your full-time job, you have to live super cheap. And in Flint, Michigan, you can get a house for the price of a car. Yeah, we wow. cut our living expenses by uh, 70 to 80% mm-hmm. by changing wow. we live. And reinvested all of that into making our comics a success. So, yep. so we could live really cheap to start. And then once we had, uh, you know, enough money and we're making like, uh, you know, good, decent wages again, we were like, you know what? I don't want to live in Flint anymore. And lucky for us, we moved out just before the Flint water crisis. So hooray. That, that's what I was going to ask you about. Yeah. So. Got out just before. But uh, that being said, where we were living uh, is just Blocks. Like a block and a half away from the cutoff point, <laughs> so we were getting township water. So we would have been okay anyway. Ah, wow. So uh, luck out, but a so, lot of our friends yes. are not so lucky. Not nearly so lucky. 
Yeah, so that is that is a rough situation over there. So good old Flint, Michigan. Flint. Although, if anybody, Flint is used to getting crapped on That's by right. the world. That's yeah. right. It's been happening pretty solidly since the 70s. What Yay! a wonderfully Poverty and urban blight, but comics. We are Whee! good time people, comics. We are. <laughs> We uh, will elevate now, the spirits. Of although I would say, if you can have Flint Township water, I recommend for any like uh, up and coming comics creator who wants to really make this their job, go and live in a city that's cheap to live in. Live cheap, friends. Yeah, makes a huge difference. There's a you don't have to live in New York or LA anymore. And hey, we traveled to New York and LA so much for conventions. Yeah. Anyway, we that... have meetings there and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's fine. So. <laughs> You can live anywhere you want to live, even Flint. <laughs> I guess we could say you can live anywhere you don't want to live. Also. That's right. That's right. You can, and you might have to do that. <laughs> Creativity knows no climate, after all. That's right. That is true. You're such a wordsmith. It's always there. cold in Siberia. I am here to please. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We ready to begin our uh, march through the catalog? Let's, Let's do it. Do. All right. Now, I know you guys in uh, uh, in Michigan don't have a paper copy of the book in front of you. So anytime, well, just kind of estimate where the, sure. the points you want to make are. I know there's a there will be a very large point that you guys will be making at a certain point oh, in the catalog. Mm. So oh, just, you know how I love Poe Dameron. I love you. <laughs> you a shipper? Uh, uh. Only with me. <laughs> but yes, no. we uh, to answer that, yes, we absolutely do love shipping of all uh, stripes. I'm not sure about Poe and Finn. I wouldn't I, be disappointed well, if it happened. I, would, but I don't know. I feel like the problem is Poe is a guy who has chemistry with everybody on screen. That's right. Like is deeply it? profound sexual energy just raises <laughs> off that hand. Yeah. Anybody he would be in a room with, people would say, oh, yeah, they're playing a romance, aren't they? Right. Well, that's the thing is you can ship Poe with anyone. He had and chemistry that's, that's with why, his X-Wing. That's why he's the perfect <laughs> shipping candidate. He really is. He's the ultimate pan ship. He goes with anybody. Pan ship. I he's like a whole that. fleet of ships in one man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Well, <laughs> safe to say we won't see much of that on paper from Marvel, but still, fun to imagine. You say that now. <laughs> you say that now. You have no idea what lengths people will go to Japan to Japan girls. They want their money. Well, on that note, uh, let's. We, we're, we're kind of linear thinkers here on Comic Geek Speak, so we usually start <laughs> at the beginning of the book. So it's a very good place to start. Do you guys have anything from Dark Horse in mind? Get it ready? Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, first thing I've got from Dark Horse, and it's very nearly the only thing I've got, actually, is on page 51. Um, another installment in the Beasts of Burden saga from Evan Dorkin, writer, and Jill Thompson, artist. Uh, Beasts of Burden, what the cat dragged in. And the, the premise of Beasts of Burden is it's a bunch of local dogs and some cats as well going up against supernatural creatures <laughs> in the town of uh, Burden Hill. So it's... Uh, it's kind of like the uh, Bonicula stories you remember from your childhood. Dogs and cats versus the supernatural. It's fun stuff, and it's by a great creative team. So and it's half off at DCBS. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Expect more of those bargain <laughs> announcements coming Only through. seventy five. That's why I'm here, in case you were wondering. Coming over the pants wire throughout our broadcast. <laughs> Remote correspondent, pants. 
We have something from Dark Horse. Yeah, I well, have I no actually, idea what page it is. I would also highly recommend Beast of Burden. Yes. That, the, uh, the, we have the hardcover of the first collection. One of my favorite books. It was so good. Um, we're a sucker for animal stories anyway, but they're able to bring so much character and humanity into those stories. It was surprisingly deep. You get it for the cute creatures, but it winds up really affecting you. Emotionally. And not just that. It's great for anybody who has never read comics. And we're big fans and proponents of books that are easy to get into. And easy to hand off to people. That's right. All right. What else from Dark Horse? We, we have are fans of uh, the Dragon Age Mage Killer series that Greg Rucka has been writing. Right, and this guy, Greg Rucka, did say that he would kill a man to write Dragon Age. Yes, said this some years ago, and everybody's sort of sitting around saying, well, why in God's name isn't Dark Horse jumping on that? Really? And they finally did. Thank um, God. And it, there's a reason Greg Rucka is one of our very favorite authors. Um and frankly, there's not a lot, or at least not nearly enough, good fantasy fiction in comics, mm -hmm. uh, like classical fantasy fiction. So seeing one of our favorite authors taking on one of our favorite genres in a series inspired by one of our favorite series of video games, it's it's just a perfect collision of a lot of things you love. Indeed. And that's on page 67. They have the Mage Killer trade paperback, reprinting issues one through five. Thank you, you guys. And I concur, Greg Ruck is one of the top writers in comics today, so here, here. Word life. <laughs> what else do my esteemed colleagues have for Dark Horse? Page 56 has something called May Number 1 by Gene Ha and Frank Cho, oh, yeah. um, oh, okay. which looks a little interesting. Somebody, a uh, girl, finds a portal to a fantasy world. Um, looks like it's very anthropomorphic, mm -hmm. and there's a... a what looks like a lot of good fantasy elements in the preview page that they show. Yeah, it's kind of like a lost girl premise, you know, like Dorothy or Wendy yeah. or, or what have you. A little girl finds a way into fantasy world, comes back, grows up, and then the darker elements of the said fantasy world follow her back to the real world. And that's the setup. Yeah, this started as a Kickstarter project that yeah, was nice. wildly successful. Um, we backed it ourselves. Right. Gene so actually talked to us about self-publishing before he did the book. Yeah. Trying to, he did a lot of research, He's like very, years of research. He's very meticulous. An extremely thoughtful guy, yeah. Gene. Uh, and uh, he did. He spent quite a while planning this out before mm -hmm. he got started. And it's nice to see that all of that planning and preparation is bearing so much fruit. Right. I think he did something special too for comic stores. Like if they had signed up by a certain point, like they get some special extras or something to give out at the store. So there's a lot of cool stuff with that book and it's a great book to boot. Yeah. So very well worth it. And it's half off at DC Mess at only $1.99. Excellent. Yo ho! <laughs> Earn my paycheck. Page one. 61 has uh, the third library volume of Kabuki. Also at the bottom says one and two are still available for anybody who likes Kabuki. Kabuki, Kabuki. I do like Kabuki. I heard that series very much. Murr, are you still reading the Pastaways? Um, I kind of didn't follow that much past the first issue. Okay. I had the first had, couple yeah. but um, fell off after that. But I, I do see a trade here on page uh, 62. Yeah. On page uh, 69, Dark Horse is reprinting uh, EC Archives. I guess they have the license for it now. 
uh, Tales from the Crypt Volume 2, uh, reprinting issues 20 through 28. Anybody's interested in comic book history, in terms of American comic book history, you've got to look, you've got to check out the EC stuff. And the, the, the array of creators that worked on this, your heart should be, you know, palpitating. Al Feldstein, Graham Ingalls, Jack Davis, Johnny Craig, Wally Wood, Orlando Rousseau's. It's tremendous stuff. Yeah, I, so. I, I somehow have to get my hands on some of these reprints because that's yeah. something I've, I might have read a uh, scattered issue here or there reprinted somewhere, but this is just the good, good comic stuff. The, the, like, you're right, Chris. The creative teams on this, I mean, just uh, unbelievable. Like, Wally, Wally Wood is one that really stands out to me because I think he, they did an uh, arts edition on his work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or some, some of his work for the EC archives. But, yeah. This, and this, we ha- and we should, I'm sorry, Pants. Go ahead. I was saying, you know, a lot of stuff is also, some of it is, I think, you know, pre-code. Oh, yeah. But, I think. Pantsy, we're in sync. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was Uh-oh. about to say these stories are pre-code because once they brought in the code, most of the EC titles were destroyed because the whole point of the code Absolutely. was to basically to drive EC, EC out of business. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's all pre-code. So, yeah, good stuff. Again, I don't know yeah, how to get started because if I get started, I won't, get, I won't stop and I have to <laughs> I get like that. But yeah, EC stuff is very, very good. From what I've read, I loved, and I got to get more of that stuff. It's, that's that's classic stuff, it really is. Pants, one back issue suggestion: If you go a lot of times in bargain bins, and I have these in my store sometimes. I forgot which company years ago they did they did a floppy reprints of the EC stories. Okay, and you you can find a lot of those at shows, and they shouldn't be that much money. If they are, don't buy them because that dealer's a crook. Um, <laughs> and it's a good way if you just want to get like a like just put your toe in the water of an EC story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find those reprint comics. I, f- I forgot the company that did them, but they're, they're around at, at cons and good back issue selections. Very good. Anything Any- else for Dark Horse? I don't have anything else for Dark Horse. I'm going to throw a quick mention to the first trade of Paul Tobin's Mystery Girl on page 55. That's uh, that's a fun new series with a likable protagonist with the interesting superpower of selective omniscience. She can answer any question you put to her. Like the answer just mysteriously pops into her head except the question of how she's able to do this. And the story <laughs> is her going on a quest to discover how. So it's a fun read. Yeah, so first four issues are in that trade. And it's also half of a DCBS, only $6.49. Fabu. What? Fabu. Fabu. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't know. You guys have a whole language that's coming. We, we do. It's, it's, it's a uh, wacko Warner quote, actually. All right. Animaniacs. Murd, I love your groovy vernacular. Outstanding. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so out of touch. Wait till he says, hello, nurse. <laughs> I'm not, I'm I'll not do sure it too. if not recognizing the quote from a cartoon that's about 25 years old is counted as out of touch. But I would say... <laughs> Being able to do a quote like that from a show of that period is very, very retro. And for it's the retro small cool. yeah. retro cool for the small group of us who uh, recognize it, I'm like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> I think that small group includes any human being from America between the ages of like 30 and 36. That also right. extends to my kids, especially my younger one who can oh, sing yeah. the theme song. Thanks to the hub. Yeah. That's because you're Thanks a great to me. father. <laughs> you're a great father <laughs> yeah. doing in, your job. In order to get him a, a bath or do something, we'd, we'd play a game and I would start humming a, a theme song and he would name it. So now he knows them all. Flintstones, Jetsons, Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, anything. You you are doing your duty as well. Oh God, I love it. The Animaniacs. Good job. Every now and then he'll say, "Hey Dad, let's play that again." I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" He's like, "The one where we do the songs." All right. So we go like 30, 40 minutes of theme songs from cartoons. (laughs) 
And, you know, I think that yeah. presents a pretty good segue, Shane. Sure. So yeah, it does. If, if no one has any objections, we can move on to the DC part of the book. Unintentional, but We're I'll take all it. all about the segues, <laughs> whatever possible. One thing I was going to say, Murd, retro cool is a perfect synonymous designation for you. That's so, true. Outstanding. Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm doing it all for my peeps here. <laughs> all right. I, I thought you were going to go with your, your jiggy with it. Yeah. <laughs> DC it is. And speaking of cartoon theme songs, what DC is leading with, what DC has put on their cover of this catalog, is a fairly exciting uh, new initiative they have of doing new creative endeavors with classic Hanna-Barbera cartoon characters. And right there on pages 80 and 81, the first two pages of the DC section, we've got two new series that they're uh, advertising this month. Uh, on page 80, we've got Scooby Apocalypse, number one, uh, based on a story idea and character designs by Jim Lee and uh, Keith Giffen with the story assist, script by Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. Art by Howard Porter, cover by Jim Lee. It's the Scooby Gang, Mystery Inc., in a post-apocalyptic world where the monsters are very real and uh, it's no mystery they're not trying. The Scooby Gang is not solving mysteries. They're just fighting the monsters outright, and so it's basically the creative team of uh, Justice League three thousand and three thousand and one doing the Scooby Gang in the near future. Thoughts? I had no interest in this until I read the creative team. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I love when they're all in a book. I, I love Justice League three thousand and one. That's one of the best books. I think nobody's talking about. It's great. I was going to it's say, Shane, shame. this creative team. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. No, I was, I was just uh, going to say it's a shame that they put them on such an abomination as this book. <laughs> I know. That you, no, here's the thing. Adam's going to go on a rant. And I'm going to make this as brief a rant as I possibly can. Okay. Rant away. The, the purpose of Scooby-Doo was to teach kids about skepticism, was to teach kids that you don't need to be afraid of the bump that goes on in your bedroom because it's not really there. Right. What's usually happening is some rich person is trying to take horrible advantage of you and use your fear as a tool to trick you into doing what they want. And if you're skeptical, Bam. and if you're clever, and if you use your brains, you can see through their tricks and find out who's actually out there trying to hurt you. It's usually it's, other people. It's self-empowerment. It's That's empowering. What it, is. it is giving children the, the power of The same thing that brain. Ghostbusters did. You know, a kid can't pick up a laser gun and fight monsters, but there are real monsters that kids have to encounter, usually people trying to take terrible advantage of them, <laughs> and giving them the strength of their mind to overcome those things, teaching them not to be brought in by superstition and those sorts of things, to question their environment, to question what's presented to you, and to find the real answers instead of being satisfied with ghosts and goblins or whatever gobbledygook. That is a valuable lesson and an important lesson. And, and turning it around and saying, man, I sure wish Scooby-Doo would have had actual monsters. It misses the point so completely that I question if they ever actually watched any of the show or thought about it for more than two seconds. Rant over. Rant over. <laughs> that's a great wow. rant. i got to say, Adam, I am envious of that. Yeah, that's of, a, of, great as a classic rant. Classic wow. rant. <laughs> The bright side there, though, is that DC is still publishing a couple of classic Scooby-Doo titles that this preserve that. Uh, it takes the sting off somewhat. They, there's still, if you want the original interpretation, it is still available for you. Right. And you can still, I think, enjoy this. For us, we always like, you know, we've had the long conversation about the heart of all of these stories and sort of what DC is doing with them. And what Adam was talking about just now is what is the heart of Scooby-Doo? So 
figuring out what the heart of a story is and building a story around it, you know, that's the important thing for us. But that doesn't mean that you can't pick up this book and really enjoy it. Even if it might be missing what we believe is the point, that's okay because it does have a great team. I was just wondering about Shaggy's Raleigh Fingers mustache. Good Lord, that hipster handlebar yeah. is yeah. – yeah. until Adam went off just now and told me why I should be annoyed about this whole uh, <laughs> concept. That, that was the thing that bugged me the most. If Jim Lee had just left that off of there because it makes no sense for Shaggy's character. It takes far too much yeah. time and effort to, to and too much attention to personal grooming. It's super hipster. Yeah, super and Shaggy hipster. is not that. He never has been. Yeah. Oh, and, and Scooby Doo's Dragon Ball Z power reader that he's got there. Yeah. It's over nine thousand. Like, like how high are his power level, Scoob? Rich Rover, Ryan Rose, and Reggie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> right, you've searched my rye. And, and he apparently speaks through emoticons because that's what the world needs. Yeah. <laughs> it's trying to be hip without like, and this is the thing I think with DC is that they do a lot of things that are like trying to be hip, like really, really trying. But they don't know how it's well, – it's, it's, it's understanding things on a surface level yes. without really understanding the underpinnings that make them work, that make them popular. That you know, Why is it that people are doing these things? Why, why dress that way? Why wear your hair that way? What is a person trying to do and say, and does that actually apply to Shaggy or not? You know, it's, it requires more thought to do that sort of thing, right. and you can't always get to do the thing you want to do. Well, and too, if you're not necessarily within the culture or have spent a lot of time and you're sort of outside of that, that's that's where it's hard to sort of interpretate uh, or interpret, interpret that stuff and bring it into the comic world. I think you're also making a good commentary about how vacuous and surface much of our popular culture is in general, which is why things like mm -hmm. this will always, you know, Fly fly on the on the surface, so to speak. So. Yeah, especially the pop culture that's sold to us. I love how indignant you are. Fantastic. <laughs> well, I can't help it. I can't help it. I'm I'm sorry. There's things that I'm really excited to talk about uh, in these solicitations, but this one just has been bugging me ever since I saw it. But that's fine because it creates a conversation, and one may <laughs> want to check things out just to check things out. Mm -hmm. And I do have you know enough what? faith in this particular creative team who are you know, yeah. smart, exactly. that, canny. That's creative. what kills me is that they, they put this team on this book. And right. like, oh. Well, we'll see what they have, in what way they polish the turd yeah. to maybe turn it into and something I, of value. One of my favorite dishes to eat is crow. You know, prove me wrong, please, by all means. If, if I – I'm afraid that something's going to completely miss the mark, and then it turns out to be great. I love that feeling. So I am excited by the prospect that I could be completely wrong here. So this is a time will tell situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, now let me ask you guys this. Are you feeling any more sanguine about uh, the Future Quest series on the opposing page? Oh, my. No, that looks wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually on board for that one. I yeah. want to check that yeah. one out. Happy that one looks good. Yeah, great creative team there, too. Um, those of you out there who may have uh, been following along with uh, the uh, Convergence event that DC did this past year, the, the crown jewel of that uh, whole big slew of miniseries that they produced was the Shazam miniseries, which was by this very same creative team, Jeff Parker and Evan Doc Shaner. And now yep. they're bringing that uh, creative magic to a whole bunch of different classic Hanna-Barbera oh, yeah. characters. And, uh, Pants, I think I may call on you to identify a few of these that uh -oh. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 see I was going to ask Shane. The whole <laughs> I don't even know all of them. I, yeah, I, I know I don't, but uh, I see Johnny and uh, yeah, Johnny Quest and Haji and Bandit. Man. 
I see Frankenstein Jr. and the Impossibles. I see Space Ghost and his little sidekicks and the monkey. Birdman, uh, the whole Herculoids group. Uh, I want to say Thundar the Barbarian on that uh, wing dragon. Thinking too, and I think that's about yeah. as far as I can take it. That's even more. Than I can I tell have. you, on the left you have the Galaxy Trio. That's the one I didn't know at all. They're fantastic. Uh, one turns into gaseous vapor. Uh, another makes his hands really big, like he has size that's control, he but usually he just uses it to make his fists oh. enormous and, and, and Galaxy Girl. That's right. They, they yes. were in uh, Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. That's yep. right. Yep. The Galaxy Trio, that was one I watched a lot as a kid. And this is our first off-the-rack pick of the month. Yes, thank you, Chris. Yes, this is yep. the DC pick. It's, uh, you know, we've decided to forgo the DC Universe offerings from DC this month and uh, make this our focused DC book for the month of April. So we will all get a chance to uh, extol or you know, decry the book, as, as the case may be, <laughs> at greater length later on. And both Scooby Apocalypse and Future Quest are half off at DCVS, only $1.99. Yay. Okay. So now for the rest of the DC proper universe, with Rebirth looming mm-hmm. over the summer, is this the month where this is the last issues of these things? I because th- June starts everything, really? Well, May 25th starts the Rebirth issue, but everything else starts in June, I think. I believe that is the plan, Shane. I, I think the idea was uh, they were trying to get uh, as many of these ongoing series to the issue number 52. That's what I was thinking, too. And then, <laughs> and then cap it all off. But, yeah, so yeah, I, I think a lot of the issues we're seeing in this catalog are actually the final issues of their respective runs. It's just DC isn't bothering to tell us that much because the, every single solicitation would then be final issue, final issue, final issue. Right. And yeah. it's, it's also very tough sometimes to get all the logistics of the timing, but – from what I understand, um, Saturday, March 26th at WonderCon, there's going to be a big rebirth press conference, if you will, announcement open to everybody. I think it's also going to be streamed live oh, online. Nice. I'll be tuning in for that because I'm curious about what's going on with the rebirth. Yeah. I, I don't want to be dead or I'm just down. I'm not buying any DC Comics at all right now. Uh, so I'd be curious to see what this is all about. Um, you know... But, uh, and because that's March 26, solicits, if, if that's what's going to be the next solicit month, would be April. Yeah. You'd, you, well, at that point, previews might be in stores, or it might be, it might be in stores that following Wednesday. So it's all, they're trying to keep a little as much as they can. Sure. Uh, you know, some gets out with Bleeding Cool and other sites, what have you there. But so the timing is, seems to me that's when we're going to, we'll know the creative teams on all the rebirth titles. The only thing that puzzled me is in this, I, officially, I, re- I should say officially. I really <laughs> expected to see the, the DC rebirth issue zero in this issue, considering that one's supposed to come out, what, May 25th or something like that? But we'll see how they yeah, we'll see. come out with it when they announce everything. They may also do that one, Shane, if that's the case. It's like a special solicit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, that, that's a possibility. I, I, I echo Pants' sentiment, I, I'm, and we've said this many times in the air. I, I mean, I'm reading very little DC oh, right I now. Um, I'm actually more excited about the trades they have coming out in this previews than I am about the the monthly floppies. Um, I, so. have, I have enjoyed Dark Side War. Um, I've read Justice League, Grayson, and that's about it. Not much. Grayson else. is still Grayson is still consistently excellent. So, yeah. Speaking of Dark Side War, page eighty-two, we've got Justice League number fifty-one, which is kind of like the uh, uh, 
epilogue to that story. Um, it's also, I believe, Jeff Johns' final issue on the series before okay. he steps off to write the Rebirth one-shot you were yeah, talking about. Yeah. Art by Paul Pelletier. And that's, that's reason enough to pick up that issue as far as I'm concerned. I have to catch up because I read the first few issues of The Dark Side War. I really enjoyed it. I know Shane is loving it. Yeah, I, I really am. Um, it's a lot of fun to read that book. So that's something I have to catch up on. Page 89, uh, Cyborg number 11. I noticed that David Walker is no longer credited as the writer of that. And who's taken his place but the creator of the Cyborg character, Marv Wolfman himself. Oh. In the middle of a story, too. Hmm. Well, Walker's doing a lot of wonderful work right now on well, – we're going to talk about his latest Shaft comic in our next OTR and the new Power Man and Iron Fist we'll talk about in our next OTR as well. So – He's a writer I'm really admiring right now. Yeah, he's, he's really talented. And he does an excellent job taking care of Texas as a ranger. Indeed. Walker. Ah. <laughs> uh-uh. I, couldn't let, I couldn't let other Adam be the only one. I have to get some groaners out there of my own. <laughs> Please do. Don't leave me alone up here. <laughs> I've got your back, bro. <laughs> yes. Sir, that was a majestic groaner. Well done. <laughs> Let's see. Looks like in Action Comics number 52 on page 106, um, it seems they've postponed a story they were going to tell in an earlier issue. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, where the pre-Flashpoint Superman and the current Superman team up for a little bit. So I guess that's – and it's going to be written by Peter J. Tomasi, who's a pretty talented writer, former editor. Perk up my ears when he has a byline in the DC section. And speaking of pre-Flashpoint Superman, on page 109, the Superman Lois and Clark series comes to an end with issue 8. <sighs> I, so actually, wanted, I so wanted that to continue. I, I think I'm going to try and track that down in mm-hmm. trade as I um, haven't been to a, a, a U.S.-based convention yet to go through like dollar books and yeah, look through yeah. the back issues. So I think I might wait to get that traded in yep. because yeah. I, I hear good things about I mean, yeah. Dan Jurgens, Lee Weeks. Yeah. Right. How can you go wrong? Uh, come on. It uh, got a lot of love from the listeners in the uh, Best I, Sleeper I, I, hit. I've, I've heard that. Plus, like you mentioned, you know, the pre-Flashpoint Superman. Okay. First two issues were great. I haven't read the rest, but I've gotten every one of them. And Golden Eagle hasn't been ordering very many copies, so I've missed a few issues. Yeah, well, they usually order only to, to sell out. And, right. You know, and if you yeah. don't get there at the time, you're yeah. out of luck. But yeah, okay, Mission so. Accomplished. We'll, so in the next maybe two months, we'll see a solicitor for that. I'll probably get the trade for that. Anything else from the in the floppies for anybody? Uh, the one other thing I am still getting, and I'm still enjoying it again, written by Dan Jurgens, is Batman Beyond. I think that's been pretty consistent. And to return to Scooby-Doo for a second, I mentioned earlier DC is still publishing some of the classic formula Scooby-Doo, you know, the uh, problem-solving, uh, myth-busting format instead of the you know, ethically bankrupt uh, apocalyptic scenario. <laughs> so we still have – you want that kind of stuff, it's there for you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 69, has uh, well Daphne and Velma uh, trying their hand at roller derby to catch a, a fake ghost. Uh-huh. The roller ghoul. And uh, then Scooby-Doo Team-Up number 16 has the Scooby gang rolling into Fawcett City to team up with the Marvel family. I love the team-up book. Oh, yes. Sholly Fish, oh. I mean, he, he, he gets it. He's a smart writer, and he knows how to tell great all-ages stories using DC's classic characters, and he's got a pretty wry sense of humor about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and there's an intelligence to the books. You know, Absolutely. Not, you know, that's, it's always the best all-ages material is the material that doesn't talk down to anybody. It's the material that anyone can read and anyone can enjoy. It's the Pixar effect. 
Well said. Yes, well said indeed. All right, now, Chris, we're right on the cusp of uh, the crux of the uh, the trades. What's uh, what's got you all fired up? So much. Um, first of all, on page one twenty nine. The Flash, the Silver Age volume one. I guess DC's giving up on their Chronicles series because now they're going I back so. and uh, kind of doing it again, just in a different uh, format. And I love the Chronicles books, but I mean, if you want to get into Flash uh, Silver Age history, it's Showcase 4, 8, and 14, and the Flash 105 to 113. A lot of his Rogues Gallery debuts. So if you're a fan of, of the Flash TV show or, or, and or the comic, this is a great trade to get. 424 pages for twenty four ninety nine. Then next to that... Well, before we go on to that, it, it, it's going to be half off at DCBS. My problem nice. with this is, yep. where's showcase number 13? Yeah. He appeared in issue 13 as well of showcase. Why is that not reprinted? Oh, it's, it's not listed there. If it's a misprint, that's one thing. But how can you leave out his, his third comic he appeared in? Yeah. Uh, that's I don't, a good point, I don't, Pansy. I don't get that. It's a strange choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, next to that, Batman the Golden Age Omnibus Volume 2. If you've got $75 to spare, these are wonderful collections. And if you're interested in, in the Golden Age history of these iconic characters, these omnibuses are, are, are a great way to get into that. Um, I'm jumping ahead to page 131. I'm Finally, finally, they're putting the new Frontier back in print as one trade. Because as a retailer, I always found the two-part trade format enormously irritating. Yeah. Um, so I'm, we'll get to is, in a minute. <laughs> yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite DC miniseries. I'm thrilled that they're putting that in, in one trade. And before so. we go any further, I, I didn't see it on the official DCBS um, banner because they're still updating. But it, it appears we have the new trade hardcovers from DC Marvel are all half off. That's been the trend so far, so I think <laughs> it's easy to say that that's, that seems to be their go-to thing. But I didn't want to mention the top of the show because I didn't see it, but now... The evidence appears to support that. Mm, and it is excellent. Such a boon to their and, customers. And speaking of splitting trades in half, page 132, 52 book one trade paperback only covers 1 through 26. Oh. I still <laughs> need volume. 84 pages. It's still kind of, Yeah, I, I, I know, I know. I still need volume four of that. I know you do. <sighs> oh, Shane, you're looking for the original traits? Yeah, I have all but volume four. I have okay, them all. I'm sorry, Pants. Go ahead. I was, I, I, the only reason I bought them is because there was some extra bonus material in there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know what's, what's in this. Yeah. Shane, sometimes those come into my shop when people sell collections. If Keep I have, an eye out. Next time I get Volume 4, I'll, I'll put it aside for Okie you. Okie dokie. But, Shane, what I'm excited about is right below 52 Book 1, finally, finally on page 132, <laughs> they're continuing – and this is criminal. It took this long. They're continuing to reprint in trade paperback form the Starman omnibuses. I cannot oh, tell yeah. you – how much that hardback goes for. It is outrageous for what? Volume 3. The yeah, Starman the, Volume after, 3. After 2 came out, there's this huge pause. They just stopped doing it. Volume 3, um, I know uh, my friend Brian out in Utah is looking for Volume. I'm, I'm 95% sure it's Volume 3. And it just, for the for the hardback. Now, he'll have access to the trade, of course, now. But for trying before this came out, trying to find the hardback of that is near impossible. Unless you're willing to pay a pretty penny. Yeah. Well, I, I know I speak for Shane and probably for others oh. that this is one of my all-time favorite series. Absolutely. This of, is so. of any kind, any genre, any place. This stands shoulder to shoulder. I have You're often here, said if I have to go somewhere and only take one story with me, this would be what I would grab off the shelf is these six volumes. 
In fact, here is what I think is maybe the finest thing to say about the Starman series is that it manages without really ever dipping its toes into the mainstream of the DC universe too much, barring some small appearances here and there. I think that it is one of the best jobs anyone has ever done of distilling what made DC Comics great. Well, things, sir. Well and specifically, which makes DC distinctly great apart from Marvel. The things that DC does that Marvel does not do, has never done, doesn't have much interest in that made DC what it was. It's the things like some of the reason that I think that DC is failing at times is that it can't capture that magic again, or it doesn't want to. Sometimes or it's so it's busy chasing Marvel that it forgets right. what made exactly. it great on its own. Why well, are you the other flavor? I think that point is well made, and in fact, when we were talking about Rebirth in our last episode, I think what Starman captures so and I think this is what you're getting at, is legacy. Yes, and, history. And it, yeah, it, it captures the Golden Age history and, and the Golden Age weight of, of that world. And we've been hearing about how in Rebirth they want to bring you know, legacy back to the DCU because I, I agree it's sorely missing. Um, but legacy right, is only yeah. half. Legacy is half the equation. The other half to me is family because Starman isn't just about the history of the name Starman. It's about the history of the family knight and the extended family that grew up around him, the connections of these people. And it's easy to create a legacy by just saying, oh, well, there's been other people who had that name, or oh, there have been heroes for X amount of time. It's difficult to create a sense of family, of community around these characters, of togetherness and wholeness between these people as individuals that binds them together more than just having similar powers or similar backgrounds or sharing the same code name. You know, there's something greater than that. Well put, sir. Magnificent. Well put. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here. I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. I, 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 I miss a Justice League that are all friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All like awesome. each other. That's nice. We'll have more to say on this subject soon. Perhaps. Hmm. That's it. Speaking, speaking of all friends, Murd, how can you resist on page 133? Prez, the first teenage president, every single appearance of Prez Rickard Collected, including Cancelled Comics Cavalcade. <laughs> scared the hell out of me. I wondered what was going wrong. <laughs> I was being invaded or something. Hi, fellow Americans. <laughs> if you will turn your attention to page 133, you will find the finest collection of presidential comics appearance that the DC Comics companies attempt to cash in on youthful subcultures of the 60s and 70s have to offer. <laughs> By aging creators Joe Simon and Jerry Grandinetti. <laughs> we have the aborted Bronze Age Prez, first team president of the USA series, all four issues of that. The never-seen fifth issue from Cancelled Comics Cavalcade, and a couple of other things here and there, too. Um, He's going power mad, everybody. That's <laughs> <laughs> magnificent. Bird. I'm on my podium, I'm flashing my peace signs uh-huh. as I get on the helicopter. <laughs> my spirit brother, man. You won't, you won't have Murd to kick around anymore. <laughs> I am not a geek. Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. Plus a few appearances of Prez from the latter days, like that uh, yeah. Vertigo Visions Prez one-shot that we all talked about on uh, Back to the Bins a while ago, Chris. 
Yes, yes. Ed Brubaker and Eric Shannon. I love that story. I love Excellent. that. We both Excellent. love that story. Yep. So it's just, it's a complete prez package here for the time being. And I, so. I should point out, and in CGS history, years ago, an episode was done called Politics and Comics. Right. It was an inter-podcast crossover. Yeah. Like a bunch of different participating podcasts put together an episode on that theme, and our contribution was to talk about prez. <laughs> and you guys did a magnificent spotlight on prez led by Peter. My favorite part of that episode is when Peter talks about the fact that the Prez had a, quote, groove room in the White House. Which... Uh, bring this, back this... the groove room. <laughs> <laughs> this book, if you just want some, it's this book is so fun and bizarre, uh, it, it has to be read. It's, yes. it's magnificent. Comic Make Geek... America great again. <laughs> Comic Geek Speak, episode 1526, October 13th, 2008. Politics in comics. Pantaloons, I know you could count on you for that number. Well done. God bless the internet. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Google Search. Yeah, well, thank you, CGS um, Search Engine. Oh, oh. even better. <laughs> Your own code. <laughs> I am fascinated that a collection like this even exists. <laughs> I, was, I was introduced to the concept of Prez through reading Sandman. And to see that they're just grabbing every appearance of this character and throwing them all together is because bizarre. Because why not? And it's an election year. It seems That's very right. fitting for the character who was himself bizarre and wonderful mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and probably like shouldn't have existed but did. This kind of collection shouldn't probably exist, but I love <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. What is this beautiful train wreck you I mean, have for in front goodness of me? sake? This is going to be the weirdest read that anybody's going to encounter this month, almost for sure. Ooh, yeah. This is a book made for hipsters. But it's wonderful. Yep. I, I love it exactly for that reason. It's Bronze Age youth exploitation at its anti-finest. And then Where do you it come also up with these phrases? My God. Like modern age and current <laughs> retroactive looks back on those old times and it's yep. it's it's going to contain the original material and then a bunch of reflections on that material all at the same time. Weird and magnificent. <laughs> yes, and uh, well, you're talking to a guy who's cosplayed as Priz in the past. Uh, I, I think this oh is. Oh my God, that's right. This is going to have yes. to grace my oh, bookshelf. That's, uh, that was one of the best I've ever seen. He <laughs> nailed him. Uh -huh. Oh my God. He naturally well, looks I, like I really him anyway. How do you not nail that? Yeah. Any other comments on the DCU stuff? Um, on page 127, they are doing a paperback edition of the second volume of Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. So if you're waiting for the affordable version of the trade, now's your chance to jump on that. Page 135 has a 30th anniversary of Legends as well as a new printing of Superman Panic in the Sky. That kind of interests me. If you missed Wonder Woman 77, we talked about that on the air. They're doing a volume one trade paperback collecting the first two specials. Those were fun, written by Mark Andreco. Uh, crossing over into Vertigo, I guess. Uh, we've got Ditko-Rama going on on page 137. Astro <laughs> City number 35. Just look at that Alex Ross artwork and tell me that those are not Ditko-inspired designs there. Oh, hell yeah. Well, look at the, the character in the foreground. Yeah, first, yeah. Sure. Mr. Drama. Oh, yeah. Well done, Mert. Yep, and so it's a spotlight on uh, the Astro City's uh, rollicking rooftop vigilante archetype, uh, you know, the Spider-Man Daredevil type uh, uh, jack-in-the-box. I want to point out on pages 142 and 143, two magnificent uh, Vertigo series being repackaged. Northlanders Volume 1 uh, by Brian mm -hmm. Wood 
his magnificent Viking saga, and then on page one forty three, this is another one of my all time favorite series. In fact, I think I think it's a perfect series. Sandman Mystery Theater, uh, mm. book one. Uh, both Vertigo will often when a book is when one of their evergreen titles has been out a while, they they repackage them in these larger trades. So, for example, the Sandman Mystery Theater is one through twelve, and the Northlanders is one through sixteen, eighteen, and nineteen, and forty one. Um, these are great collections, and Sam Mystery Theater, I think, has one of the most sophisticated takes on on a, on a romantic relationship I've ever seen in a comic book. So, highest recommendation. Yeah, um, we had mentioned earlier uh, when talking about the Dragon Age book that we felt like fantasy was a genre in comics that is grossly underrepresented, and Northlanders was historic without the fantasy. Um, it was brutal to read it, oh, it's yeah. pretty much just a series of horrible events yes <laughs> uh, starring people yes. just barely surviving but it's so it's such a richly woven story right so and especially those first few trades are so well done yeah and even though it has a modern day like language verbal the language yeah I think that's what makes it, again, appealing. Once again, we are people who love things that anybody can pick up, and that's one of those series. Getting people hooked on comics, that's, I think, where the magic is. And I think the modern language was a good Mm -hmm. choice for Northlanders because it helped it feel more immediate to us now. Um, This was something that uh, the creators of Deadwood talked about, uh, the, the HBO Western series Deadwood. One of the greatest shows ever made. Fantastic. And they said that when choosing curse words, they used the modern curse words because they thought that if we went around having these characters saying stuff like tarnation and gold dernit. Which were, <laughs> importantly, which were, actual swear words. Those were the big swear words. The big words ones the that time. you don't say. Um, they thought, well, people are going to, it's going to look silly. Nobody will be able to take that seriously. And when these characters are having serious, deep emotional struggles and they want to curse and shout out, well, consarn it, you know, (laughs) nobody's going to take that seriously. It breaks immersion completely. And Northlanders went the same direction. You could have everybody talking in this like histrionic, archaic verbiage, but you're going to lose the audience when you do that. Well, it's not just that. It's the kind of series that they wanted to make, and they wanted to make something that was immediate, that was very visceral, and that's why I think they made that decision, and they were reaching out to a set of people who maybe had never thought to read something histrionic like that. Well, I think your point is also well made about if you want to introduce people to comics – this is why I think Brian Wood's one of the most important writers in comics today because he can just write about any genre, like his book Rebels about the Revolutionary War, yeah. uh, his take on Conan, his, his you know DMZ, uh, his Star yeah. Wars comic was tremendous that he did for Dark Horse. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, uh, Northlanders is definitely one of our most loaned trade paperbacks. Yeah. God, you guys are great proselytizers for the medium. Well done. We mostly mostly (laughs) continue to buy trade paperbacks rather than doing going digital just so that we can loan them out to people. Right. We are ourselves a little comic book library. And any time that we can get people into comics and start loving them, you know, that's a win for us. That's a win for everybody. Yeah. Outstanding. My friends, I apologize. I must depart. I have family obligations to attend to. Okie dokie. That's too bad. We'll miss you. That's kind of you to say, but we have such capable people on on on, on the show that I doubt I'll be missed much at all. But we absolutely, we will not give up the ship, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Adam and Cumber, thanks so much for joining us. 
Oh, well, well, thank you so much here. for having us. Of course. And my friends and colleagues, I'll talk to you all very soon. See you, you later. It. Take care. All righty. Good night. Bye, Good Chris. night. Now, Pants, I wanted to ask you about page yes. 147, 48, and 49. Okay. It's all the action figure stuff that DC's putting out. Yes. While it looks really nice, uh-huh. $28, $45 for some of these <gasps> figures. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's outrageous. Yeah. Who has that money? I don't see how uh, a child like we were buying these. Oh, toys my God. 20, you know, even, even 10 years ago to, when I was buying them. Yeah, would even be able to. Now, granted, these are, you know. Higher end. Higher end yeah, toys and designed for that. But uh, probably not even really designed to be play with. I'm not sure. I mean, with that price. Yeah. Point, right. Would you play with a new figure that costs $45? Well, Cyborg, $45 deluxe figure. Comes with a lot of neat accessories and what looks like a charging station engine thing. But $45 I mean, for one figure that's yeah. six inches tall? I'm oh so my glad. God. I, I've been pretty pretty good about it. I just went cold turkey buying toys, and I bought hardly any toys in the last like five years. I have bought very few action figures I mean, in the yes, last five years. Yes, they're great. They've got great eye appeal. Oh, the absolutely. Are great, but I just, you know. I just can't believe how... I've moved on. Pricey they're getting. Yeah, put my, put my money in other things. <laughs> and it's, you know, they're made of the same plastic. Well, <laughs> here's, like... here's what I bet you would be, like, one of those reasons for why things are expensive is the realities are with toys is fewer and fewer people are buying them. Like, if you're looking that. at a young person with toys, like, how many of them who don't have parents who are pushing them are really buying or asking for those toys. Like just the numbers are low. So I bet you the uh, actual run is probably pretty low in comparison to what things were. So you're just going to pay more because they're not doing the volume. Which becomes a self-fulfilling cycle where people buy less. So they cut corners and charge more and then people can't afford to buy. So they buy even less. So more corners are cut and more money is charged and fewer people buy. And it's just driving itself. I think it's just something that will eventually phase its way out of the culture phase into something else. Yeah, phase into something else. You know, we'll figure out something else. Like, it, it was disappointing that something like Young Justice was canceled because they didn't do the toy sales they wanted to. But, you know, they didn't realize or they don't want to realize that the market is changing. So you have to make sure that your merchandising goes someplace else. Yeah. Gorgeous figures. <laughs> Right, uh, you guys on the Skype line. Uh, was there anything else from DC that you wanted to talk about and no. we haven't covered yet? No, it's been covered. All right, then let's look forward to IDW and the Horizon. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, it looks like um, they're expanding their uh, Back to the Future comics franchise here. Yeah, they sure are. A little bit. Uh, new miniseries, Back to the Future: Citizen Brown, spotlighting uh, Christopher Lloyd's character. Written by Bob Gale. Guy who knows a thing or two about Back to the Future. <laughs> Same with the main series number eight. I don't remember if he wrote the first few issues. I have them, but... I'm pretty sure he did. He did, yeah. He's he's done comics here and there before. Sure. Um, let's see. On page 167, something new and interesting. Um, Archangel, number one. This is a new comic series uh, written by a cyberpunk impresario, William Gibson. This is a sci-fi writer who all but invented the subgenre of cyberpunk. An artist, Jackson Butch Geis, bringing to us this new series. Um, it's an original story. It's not an adaptation of something Gibson's done elsewhere. It's something brand new. 
And the standard edition is half off at DCVS, $2.49. I think I may have to give that a try, see what uh, mm -hmm. he, he does as he attempts to conquer this new-to-him medium. Up on page 171, among their normal new Transformers books, it looks like they're reprinting the classic Transformers in a compendium of 1,148 pages for $100. Wow. It's the first 50 first issues. First 50 issues, of yeah. the old Marvel material. That is crazy. First full, 50 issues. Full color, too. Page 172 has... G.I. Joe, The Complete Collection, Volume 9. Okay, and this, too, is the old Marvel Comics. Yep, material. absolutely. I have the first three volumes. I love it. Great format. Mm -hmm. uh, page 177. Um, apparently, IDW did pretty well with the uh, uh, Hunter S. Thompson's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas uh, hardcover graphic novel they released a while ago. So now they seem to be re-releasing it and serializing it in single-issue form. Hmm, kind of backwards. Yeah, exactly. It seems kind of an odd <laughs> move. Interesting choice, IDW. Good cash play. If you really love your floppies. <laughs> if you really love those floppies. If you're one of the 0.002% of people, have at it. <laughs> Page 176 has a new Hero Comics Hero Initiative benefit book. Nice uh, J. Scott Campbell cover on there. Oh, you would be the one to notice that, <laughs> wouldn't yes, you? Yes, I would. Because he's fabulous. He is fabulous. We heart him very much. <laughs> one of the reasons we do what we do. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we want to throw a shout out to the Winona Earp book. Yep. Um, art by our very dear friend, Laura Innes, who is just about as spectacular a human being as you could ever hope to meet. That's right. She did. Uh, she's known usually for the book also uh, published by IDW called The Dreamer. And this uh, book, I think, is going to be a series or is a series on uh, yes, sci-fi. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. Yep. Winona Earp. But the Winona Earp character was picked up. It's going to get a, a TV show. And so they're launching the new uh, comic series, and it's it's been really good, and it's looked great, and we're we're super proud of her. Yeah, just happy to see a good friend doing well. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you can find that Winona Earp series on page one seven nine. Up on page one, oh gosh, my glasses are failing me. One eighty eight <laughs> is uh, Marvel's co covers the modern era artist cover uh, artist edition. A Todd McFarlane cover and a Sam Keith cover. 12 inches by 17 inches. One of them extra size art books that IDW does so well. Fancy pants. They do those so nice. That is one of those things. Yeah, they, they do them so nice, I, I, I can't buy any more of them because they're just. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're, they're worth money. Oh, they're the worth money, it. I, yeah. I, I feel because just the quality they put into yeah, them. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, absolutely. I've already got. Uh, at least like eight or nine of them. It's like, I can't, they're, they're too big to put around anywhere. Yeah, oh, yeah. I have a nobody hard time storing the, them. Nobody does the prestige format like IDW. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you do have to pick and choose. To like, yeah, what yeah, do you yeah. want? I mean, we have a few shelves here, but we're always like, ah, what do we put up? What do we put out? Like, and, you know, there are times that we do have to send things to the library. Yeah. Every now and then. Space is just a, it's a tough issue. 
that you run into more and more, which I guess is a, a it's a good problem to have. Right, right. To, oh, so many good things. Darn it. Stop producing things that I want to see. <laughs> well, First you comics. I have to go through my shelves again. I have a limited space that I have dedicated to trades and comics, and, and it's yep. full. And I have stuff on the floor to go into the shelf, so i got to shift stuff around and pick out stuff to have it move along. Now yeah. feel your pain, Shane. <laughs> Any other remarks to make on IDW? Think we're good. Good. Okay. If all is set, let's move on to image. Oh, image. <laughs> yeah. Image, image we is hard. Image comics, where the majority of our comic buying goes. Mm-hmm. Your innovation station. And uh, you know, oddly, this month is kind of a light one for me as far as image goes. But uh, one thing I did mark uh, on page one ninety eight. This is kind of interesting. This is a series that uh, we saw solicited a few months ago under the heavy metal press section of the book, and then it was uh, withdrawn pretty shortly after that. And now I think I understand why because uh, its creators have brought it to Image instead. And that is Three Floyd's Alpha King. It's a five issue miniseries, a uh, story by Nick Floyd and Brian Azzarello. Art by Simon mm. Bisley and Ryan Brown. Talk about your brand wow. mythologization here. This is a comic story based on the labels, like the, the fantasy artwork appearing on the labels of a craft beer brewery called Three Floyd's Beer Company based in Indiana. <laughs> so, and My God. Azarello and Bisley are lending their talents to this, though. I, I guess they're guys who like their beer and like stories about beer. <laughs> so it, it, on one level, it's kind of a story about craft brewing, and on another, it's about these – Crazy, like, uh, Mad Max apocalyptic uh, 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 sci-fi fantasy Japanese warrior mutant monster guys running around. It's just like they just take the images right off the, the labels and uh, made stories about them while weaving the actual Floyd brothers into it. So uh, that, that, that looks like it might be interesting. Well, you know, there are enough craft breweries doing labels based on comics. I suppose it was just a matter of time before we turned that around. Absolutely. Reciprocity. It's important. And issue one is half of a DCBS, only $1.99. Glad to hear it. <laughs> that much more likely to give that a try now. Yeah. Uh, I am really happy to see more Hawaiian Dick comics. Aloha Hawaiian Dick. The second issue is uh, out in this previews and haven't seen the Hawaiian Dick in quite a long time, but I really enjoyed that uh, modern noir detective story. Um, the first two volumes, really good, really fun reads. So happy to see more of that coming out. All right, Invincible is also out, as it oh, always is, but it's image. always fabulous. It's one of the only books we read in floppy. Yeah, because uh, we just have to support it all the time. Yep. All right, Hawaiian Dick number two is on page 207. And Invincible number 128 is on page 213. It's amazing to me, to probably both of us, mm-hmm. how... Invincible has been able to go for so long and stay so fresh all the time. It has never reached, it's 128 issues in, and it has never reached that point where a series that long just starts to drag. Right, or you're like, maybe they should end it. Yeah, 
Like, I think that series is still something that you want to read every month. You're interested to read. You're excited about it. Well, and you feel and, like anything could happen. Well, and that's because they're moving the characters forward. And they have the option to do that. There's no reboots that have to be happening in Invincible. And I think that's why it's one of the best, if not the best, superhero comics on the shelves right now. Well, and I, I have to say to Robert Kirkman, he is one of the best guys I have ever seen at being able to find entire new stories within his stories. Um, in the same way that The Walking Dead, if you look at it over its history, it's really been like five or six different comics. Uh, Invincible is the same way. Same characters, but it has been so many different stories, so many different kinds of books over the history of its series. And I think that's why it's able to stay so fresh is it never sits in one genre long enough to get stale or whenever he gets bored writing that stuff, he's like, Oh, let's go over here and do this kind of thing. Now, you know, it's, it's constantly reinventing itself and yet never loses the core of its appeal. Right. Mm -hmm. You don't need reboots. If you have legitimate growth, right? Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's beautiful. I see up on page 218, uh, Tim Seeley and Mike Norton's Revival hits number 40. Yep. That's keeping on, keeping on. I am woefully behind As in my reading of that. I've been buying every issue. Just my reading is just falling behind. It, it just going through, there's just so many things. I just, not, It's not as bad as Murd's read pile, but my yeah. read pile is just getting up there a little bit. It is a great series, it though. It is really good, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, we largely picked it up just on the strength of the creative team. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it is so – every time you think you know what's going on, something else happens and you uh, – okay, so maybe we don't have any clue what's going on here. <laughs> something else is – they're just always turning it around on you. It's, it's fascinating. And they're really good at their short scenes too, like yeah. just coming into the middle of something, giving you enough, and then letting you go. And uh, it taught us some little bits about – like made us think about some – Ways we could do storytelling in a story. uh, tighter fashion. Yeah, we we read comics differently from you guys because we are always or do we? We're always examining <laughs> and, and learning about telling stories and, ah, and studying the work of what these people do um, and what they do well and are, asking ourselves all these analytical questions. Are we doing how, it in order to steal their life essence? No, we are not stealing anybody's life essence. <laughs> comfort. I've told you a thousand times. Ah. Um, we're borrowing. No. That's right. Uh, no, but there's there's a lot to learn, and, and I think that it puts us in a much more analytical mode as readers than most people would be um, because we are. We're studying all the time. We've learned a lot from Revival. <laughs> it has been assimilated. Yeah. Um, I'd also like to point out the series Low, mm -hmm. 14th issue coming out. That has been a really interesting work um, and an odd exploration of the power of optimism at the end of the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, it, taking place in a setting where the surface of the planet became so irradiated that people abandoned and ran, went underwater and restarted society in the deepest parts of the ocean. And now it's been so many generations removed that they've given up basically on the surface ever being inhabitable. And yet all of their underwater societies, the cities are starting to fail. 
and one character thinks that she has found a signal from the surface that might be reporting that another planet has been found that they could colonize, maybe. Dun, dun, and she's the only dun. person willing to believe in it. And it's just <laughs> such a good story. Uh, and the art is gorgeous beyond any right or reason to be. It shouldn't be allowed <laughs> for a comic to look that good. Um, that I, I turn a page and I feel like I've got to set that book down and sit back for a minute and just get my brain back. I don't know where it went. It was blown so hard out of my skull <laughs> that I am lost. I, I, I love that series. Can we quick mention also something like Rat Queens, which is a equally fabulous book, but in a different fashion? <laughs> Like if anybody's ever, yeah, if anybody's ever not read Rat Queens, you absolutely should because it's like any crazy raucous D and D like game gone amok in comic form with four chicks that are insane. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the worst four people ever. <laughs> worst, <laughs> awesomest, so, worst, uh, right? Awesomest. Awesome kind of worst. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. The kind of worst people that are really fun to read about. Exactly. Uh, Low is on page 214 and is up to number 14. And Rat Queens is on 217 and up to issue 17. And I'm liking the cover of number 17. I'm getting a real Sid and Marty Croft vibe from it. Oh, yes. Yep. Elves on Living Island. All the talking flowers and toadstools around. Um... I'm going to throw the spotlight on page 233 here and uh, a trade of a series called Mythic. Uh, it's not telling us volume one, so maybe we can assume this is uh, like a self-contained story. Uh, but it's from creators uh, Phil Hester and John McRae. And this is interesting to me just because in this uh, world in which we're living now, in which technophilia is rampant and there's so much celebration and uh, glorification of science and ration, rationalism and all that hoopla. Now, here's a series that dares to suggest that science is just BS and the whole world runs on magic. <laughs> and about a bunch of characters who dedicate their lives to making sure everybody never finds out about that. So, yeah, it's, it, it's a fun premise. One of the main characters is a cell phone salesman. <laughs> uh-huh. Your whole opening monologue there reminded me of the episode of South Park where uh, some people die and wind up in heaven. And as they're getting led around, they're like, all right, welcome to heaven. Okay, and I'm sure I know the first thing you're wondering, and the answer is... The Mormons. The Mormons were right, everybody. They they were the ones who had it right. And and nobody can believe it because what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The truth being stranger than fiction is always a good opening bit for a, a story to start on. Because once you've established that as your premise, you can go anywhere. The sky's the limit. Anything's possible now. Up is down. All social contracts are void. All right. Okay, any other image things needing a little love? The sixth volume of Saga, not that I it mean, needs more yeah, love. Yeah, everybody us. knows that Saga's awesome. Fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Looking for volume six. There it is. Yep, they got a lot of attention during the uh, CGS Best of 2015 awards, as usual. It's almost not fair. Like, Saga should just get its own awards and let everybody else have a chance. <laughs> yes, this it's Saga. Saga. Here's the award. Go, go. Yeah. Yeah, just... Well, they, they they keep changing the game with these time jumps. It's, just we think you know where the story's going to go. Ah, we're going to jump ahead. Exactly, exactly. And it, again, it keeps it fresh. It keeps you from ever feeling too comfortable with the story. Yep. 
I'm actually caught up in that book, and I, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> yeah. It does kind of remind me, though, of the old uh, Wizard Fan Awards, if you remember that way back when. Mm. And yeah. how uh, Alex Ross Alex was Ross always the was it cover, uh, cover artist. artist. Like, cover they artist. were just like, why do we even have this category? After a while, they started calling it the Alex Ross Memorial Cover Art <laughs> Award. <laughs> because every year he would get it. It just was such a foregone conclusion. I appreciate that these guys know what Wizard Fan Awards are because <laughs> yeah. like, nobody else would nobody <laughs> understand that. Oh, like, yes. you know, and you'd get blank looks like, nope. we are of the age. There's a there's a magazine. It was paper, and you yeah. picked it up and you read it. You know those yep. lame what? conventions that mostly have wrestlers and '70s genre television actors at them. It used to be a magazine, <laughs> or the entire cast of Captain America movie at the Philadelphia coming up. My God. Yeah, how about that? What? Uh, uh, yeah, that's a whole. That's a good get. That's a good, a good get. get. They spent a lot of money. Though. I mean, they sure did. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they think added Tom Huddleston. I think it, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Check out Wizard of Philadelphia if you haven't already it's the insane. guest list. It'll get the butts in the door. Yeah, it, sure will. Yes, I would say so. And and Tumblr is going to show up if Tom Hiddleston's there. <laughs> Thank out. you, Internet. Look out. <laughs> girls are coming. <laughs> They're coming for you. Oh, my God. Tom Hiddleston. Hello, Tom Hiddleston. So much. He's so great. He's the perfect man. He's so misunderstood and beautiful. He is so awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, okay. How about some Marvel? Are we ready to talk about Marvel? Yeah, how about some Marvel? Let's Marvelous. talk about some Marvel. Okay. We had a couple of different possibilities for our Marvel Off the Racks pick this month. Um, uh, the first thing we decided not to do was uh, um, on, on page number whatever because Marvel previews are kind of uh, – I'm going to go with four, three, and four. <laughs> yeah, three and four. Yeah, whether they count the inside cover or not, who can tell? But anyway, Captain America, Steve Rogers, number one. It's Steve Rogers getting his youth back, putting a version of his costume back on and being Captain America again. We, we all knew this was coming. So yeah. we were, even Chris, who is like Mr. Marvel and is so excited usually about everything, even remotely new or interesting that Marvel does, even he said, yeah, this we, we know this was happening. This is just like a anti-climax. But on the bright side, Nick Spencer is writing it, so he'll he'll find some way to make it feel fresh. I trust him sure. that far. And taking a look at this costume, I don't know if you guys in Michigan have seen this, but uh, without the wings on his cowl, Captain America looks shocking like a, shockingly like a character called the Countryman. Yeah, what? it is. It is curious. Um, Who would have? I, thought? Won't, I won't say unfortunate, but you know, when you're basing a uniform off of a pretty simple flag, there's only so many directions you can go with. That's right. Yeah. We're kind I pref- of forced into some limitations there. I prefer to believe that Marvel is biting you guys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, I hope they don't. Their teeth are way too big. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the first issue is half off at DCBS and only two dollars and forty nine cents. Wait a minute, five ninety nine for? I mean, four ninety nine for the? Oh my god! Wait a minute, it's a forty pager. So. Oh, excuse me. Still. <sighs> That's oh, sweet. and look, Sam Wilson gets to keep his own separate but equal Captain America. Oh. Yeah, uh, doesn't have his wings showing in this picture, but I'm sure they're there. Oh, they're there. <laughs> and Bucky is there, and I guess that's Agent Carter behind Cap, and Cap's shield is triangular again because Weirdly. everything comes back because to Because for reasons. Well, they've got to find a way to distinguish exactly. the shields of the two Captain Americas. They want to keep both kinds of... You know, cola. And what is more American than wanting to have your cake and eat it too? That's right. Mm, 
cake. And how people <laughs> exactly. slowly forget. And then we, it never happened. I am Come nervous. Right. I am nervous about the extra glowy tip at the bottom, though. That yeah, really that's like a guillotine kind of blade. Ooh. That's yeah. a little weird. Huh. I feel like there's going to be some scene of him kneeling over top of a guy and trying to decide whether or not to bring that shield down and struggling with his inner demons yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. Something it's on its way. very predictable. Yeah, That's weird. That is a little element of his old photon shield worked in there, I guess. Yeah, I'm not but, so yeah, sure about I can that. totally see that scene you just described, Adam, and oh, yeah. it, it depresses me that I can see it so easily. Yep. It's the downside of the analytical way that we read comics now. We have gotten to know stories so well that we've seen this over and over again. Yep, the tropes just glare right in your eyes. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Well, next thing up, we've got a new Punisher series uh, written, well, art by Steve Dillon, who's uh, established himself as a pretty uh, seminal Punisher artist now. Um, written by Becky Cloonan. So, good thing Interesting to choice. point out during Diamond's Women in Comics Month. I, I cannot think of another time that a female writer has uh, been in yeah. charge of the Punisher character, but here it is. It could be a very interesting perspective to get. Um, that, that I would be curious to see how that runs. I, it makes me more interested than I would have been normally, just because you start to feel after a while like you've seen every sort of Punisher story you can see. Um, but this this would be a very different kind of voice for that character. Or it could. Could be. Could be. Right. I won't say yes, like, you know, vagina notwithstanding. <laughs> what kind of writer is she? I don't know exactly. I'll be honest. Although, it, you know, if I was going to get my pick of Punisher artists, I probably would say get me the guy who drew him punching out a polar bear. It's true. It, it is hard to top that moment in terms of historic Punisher moments. Mm -hmm. Is there a kitty guest star in... Uh, there, is there is a kitty guest star. There is always a kitty Where, guest star. I'm have, surprised there's only been the one, frankly. In this household, we have six cats. Oh, my uh, God. Wow. My God. Now, uh... It's it's mitigated to some degree because uh, a couple of years ago we brought my parents in to live with us and help us with the day-to-day -day stuff because we just could not handle it we all. We reached the point where our business was successful enough making comics that we really needed to bring in and hire some assistants. And yet we had not reached the financial point where we could afford to hire assistants. So uh, we have... Her parents taking care of the life stuff, and we put all of our daily focus on just doing the business. Yay! But that brought with it four more cats to add to our <laughs> initial two, and now it is six cats. It's an unsteady equilibrium. <laughs> Sounds like the a... kitty conga line of snuggles. They watch me. That sounds like a more than fair trade-off, honestly. I mean, I know having cats around can sometimes militate against productivity. And this is coming from a guy who has just one, but still. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Since those four extra kitties bring with them you know, such a great help to you guys and uh, the working lifestyle. <laughs> That's right. Be glad. Somebody to mow the lawn is incredible. Yeah. And, and uh, you'd be surprised how much of your day is spent on making meals. That's day that could have been spent drawing pages. That's right. For God's sake. Okay. 
Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, again, page number question mark. Um, <laughs> a new Thunderbolt series. This is a longtime favorite concept of mine from all the way back in 1996 when they introduced it. Um, so now we've got a new version that seems a little closer to the original formula than what they've been doing lately. Some of the original members of the group are there. Atlas, Techno, Meteorite, plus the Winter Soldier. Um, don't recognize the artist, John Malin, but Jim Zub is a writer that uh, we somewhat know. Ah. Um, he's listened to our podcast at one time or another. Uh, he wrote uh, uh, Samurai Jack for uh, IDW for a little while there, and now he's got his hands on the Thunderbolts. I will definitely be giving that a try just because I love the concept. A new Nighthawk on another numberless page next to the numberless page of Thunderbolts. Yep, as, as seen in James Robinson's uh, uh, current Squadron Supreme series. This is the uh, – he's a refugee from the J. Michael Straczynski and uh, Gary Frank Supreme Power series. So it's, it's that version of Nighthawk. Which I enjoyed the hell out of. Mm-hmm. I did enjoy that as well. So he is now in the regular Marvel Universe, and these are his ongoing adventures, as written by David Walker, who's also writing Marvel's Power Man and Iron Fist, and the Shaft books coming out from Dynamite. And moving past that, now we come to the thing that uh, I left it up to Chris, since, as I said, he is the Marvel zombie among us, and he decided that Civil War II, number zero, was going to be our off-the-rack pick for this month. And uh, the reasoning is simply this. It's Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Olivia Coppel. Good creative team, and it's the beginning of a crossover, and even though this is kind of the big corporate media synergy tie into the movie uh, crossover event cash grab thing, at the very least, we can take one for the team and uh, provide a review synopsis for our listeners who aren't sure whether they want to be spending their money on this thing. So we will take the hit for you. We will read it. We will pay the $4.99 cover price. Or – if you can't do DCB, you'll pay half of that at two forty nine. I think we'll do that. <laughs> Even better. Hopefully do that. <laughs> DCBService.com. much better deal. <laughs> so, yes, we'll do that. We'll let you know what we think, whether that, that event is off to a good start, and whether we think it's worth your time and attention. So that's our off-the-rack pick for Marvel for the month of April. I wonder if they're actually going to have both sides have a point this time, mm. or if it's going to be like <laughs> last question. time where one side had a legitimate argument and the other side had the argument, yeah, but you're dumb. Yeah, the <laughs> argument that they needed to have for the story to move forward, for the conflict not to collapse, yeah. Uh, I so we'll see. I think it's probably going to be I – I think neither side is going to have as strong a point as they did last time. That's just my feeling. Unfortunately, the one thing I'm anticipating most, uh, which is the same result that came last time, is everybody walks away looking bad. When you build an entire storyline off of your heroes fighting each other, everybody gets tarnished. Yep, and your whole shared universe gets another shade darker. Yeah. Yep. And do you really want that? Really? I don't know. Somebody that- thinks somebody yeah. does. Darkness is how you make things like real life, honey. Right. Just real yeah. life is really darkness crappy in the dark, and dark, dark darkness the of the dark city, which is dark. You're not reading your DC comics enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have failed this city. <laughs> <laughs> that show's still fun, though. It is. It is. And it mocks its own darkness, which is fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, International Iron Man looks like it has a cover uh, from a, a Hamlet scene. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Alas, poor Iron Man. I knew him, Mauricio. 
Page 19. Here's a page number. Um, the uh, Mark Wade written and Mahmoud Asrar drawn all new, all different Avengers number nine introduces an all new, possibly all different. Yeah, I heard that. Possibly all different wasp. We don't know who she is possibly? or what her deal is, but uh, well, yeah, we, we don't. It might be a pre-existing character. You never know. She might not be that different. But uh, Are we suggesting that it's not just the character from the movie now in the comics, so that we can tie into everything going on in the cinematic universe. Yeah. No, no, that's exactly what might we're not be. <laughs> <laughs> You'd probably be wrong, but it might not. It's a cool costume, though—the classic bullet-headed look from the Wasps Avengers number one look. And it's Mark Wade writing it, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's going to be good to read. I, I will say that Mark Wade, for anybody going to C2E2, Mark Wade is going to be on a panel with us and Dirk Manning that we're nice. running called Let's Make a Villain, where we do the ins and outs of what makes awesome villains, and then we in the audience make up a villain together and we draw it live. Wow. You know, I've seen you guys do that once at, down at Heroes Con. And that we're was. Doing, we did a, a character version. This time we're just honing in specifically yep. on villains. We do mm. Let's Make a Hero on Friday with David Peterson and uh, Gene Ha, and then Let's Make a Villain on Sunday with Dirk Manning and Mark Waite. Oh, that is not to be missed. C2E2, gonna be a lot of fun. <laughs> Page 28 and 29 has Scarlet Witch 6 and Vision 7. And did you guys mention that uh, with Tom King going to DC, uh, DC that the Vision ending, well, he will be ending with issue 12. Correct. Okay. And it's it's a great series. Chris has finally gotten around to reading the first issue. He's just chomping yeah. at the bit to share his own thoughts. See, I, I picked up issue one when I was at Los Angeles, and it's in my two-read pile. So you're saying I, it's a, I should... Look it over yeah. quickly. Yeah, <laughs> bump it up a little. If not sooner. Yeah, I mean, bump it up a little bit. Okay, I will do that. You may not be enraptured by it the way Chris was, but it's, it's a I solid read. Give it well, a try. Well worth anybody's time, I think. Yes. I also think uh, Doctor Strange is pretty good too. I, I just finished reading uh, issue five. Um, well, <laughs> I love the covers. <laughs> oh God, I can't think of who does the covers now. Just uh, one of the all-time great. Uh, oh my God, I'm failing myself. In inkers now. But uh, I'm not too crazy about the interior. I know it's Chris. How do you pronounce his name? Neil, where's uh, uh, Eric when you need him? Somni? No, no, no. Oh, Bacello? Bacalo? Ba- is it Bacalo? I or? think it's Bacello. Uh, Bacello, yeah. yeah uh, it might be Bacalo. I'm pretty sure it's Bacello. <laughs> yeah. Oh, We've been through the dissension in the house. house. <laughs> reading it in the French way. He's it's Ukrainian, Bacalo. I think, or, or of Ukrainian descent, I mean. Yeah. So, it's, so We're not using the Italian the rules here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bacello. I've, I've had that spelled out for me before. It's like figuring out how to pronounce Kurt Busick or something. Right. Kevin Great. Nolan. Yeah. It's Kevin Nolan. Anyway, I love his, love his cover. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's how you pronounce Chris Bacello. No, Kevin I'm Nolan. Sorry. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm on a tape Nolan. delay here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, it's, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron, right? Still writing it, I believe. Mm-hmm. And the story still holds up. The story holds up, but it's like the art is just making me a little. Oh, the, 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 the nice reveal in issue five of something that uh, I can't go into. But the nice reveal. I I think it was interesting. Okay. As I know a little bit about the character, I I love the Mark Wade oath story of Doctor Strange. This was. Eh, I'm going to stick with it for a little while longer. Yet, okay. Anyway. All right, what else is sticking out to people in the Marvel catalog? Well, I, I forget the page. I absolutely love... There may not be a page. <laughs> That's true. There may not be a page. It's, I can't even find it. I absolutely love Silver Surfer. 
Dan Slott, uh, Mike Olred created. That's page forty six. Yes, and uh, the the cover solicited in this issue. It's like a who who is that? Because I, I look at this cover. There's all kinds of people in, the, in this scene here. I let's see. I see Jim Lee. I see Stanley. I see Jack Kirby. I see Joaquin Phoenix. I see Kevin Smith. There's a lot of other people. I'm sure who probably people I should know, but this is one of those cool covers. But huh. I, I love this interaction between Dawn and, and the Silver Surfer. They had a great re- re- reveal on the issue number two I just read, and it's like uh, uh, this is one of the Marvel books I'm really really digging, and I. Don't know why they had to renumber it. It was going fine the way it was, but uh, very, very good. I, I love the Allward's work and Slot is doing a really good job with this. On the on the next page, uh, Raccoon Rock starts with Raccoon Rocket Raccoon and Groot number five. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good book nice. too. Very nice. Very nice. I have to catch up on Silver Surfer. I'm, I am you should. behind it is, on that. It's really a fun book. Uh, we are going to the Star Wars stuff. I don't know where it shows up, but we heard is the Poe Dameron. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> they, I love they're doing a great thing. The uh, yep. May the 4th celebration. Yep. May the 4th be with you. Uh-huh. They're putting out all of the first issues of Star Wars Marvel books, uh, re-releasing them as a special for the quote-unquote, Star Wars holiday. Uh, I just thought that was a clever idea. It's part of their Uh, True Believers reprint program. Yep. And uh, there's been a lot of buzz around these books, and so it's it's a good idea to find little ways like that to make them available again for people who were maybe on the fence or weren't sure what to think or, or, you know, and with the recent movies still in a lot of our memories, uh, a lot of people think in Star Wars right now and... Marvel has put out some really good Star Wars books. Yes, they have. I He's have using that license. Using it well. And, and, and it's all canon, right? Yeah, the, the stuff <laughs> yeah. in the comics is all the new canon. Um, and this stuff isn't... I have read... I'm, I'm a little behind on Vader now. And some of the miniseries I haven't finished that, that are out there and some of the new ones I haven't started. But everything I've read of Star Wars, Vader, um, and like the Star of Chewbacca, Lando... Um, has been really, really good. Like, I don't think yeah. there's been that I have read not a bad book in the bunch. Yeah, um, the the least of them, like uh, the Obi Wan and Anakin book, is just sort of okay, but it's not bad. And if you want to read stories about those characters, it's definitely solid. Like, if the worst you can say is that, eh, this one was it was okay, right? That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, in a world where the new Fifty Two came out, and you were kind of like, oh. With a lot of those, seeing the Star Wars books and how many of them they are, and being like, "Hey, the last, uh, the least of them is okay." Well, I think that's not bad. I think that shows the value of a controlled release program. Also, because true. the Star Wars stuff, they started putting out really slowly, mm-hmm. cautiously, yeah. testing the waters, getting people into these new stories. They didn't just dump a bunch on us, and a number of them were just miniseries, like the Princess Leia mini was just there to tell one good story. And be done. And it was, I think that was a really smart way of getting started, getting back into publishing Star Wars comics, because it gives a chance to do a diverse run of releases without necessarily having to commit to whole titles. Exactly. Uh, it gives the audience a chance to test out what you're doing, see if they like where you're going with this. 
Uh, you can impress them a lot better if you can focus on a few extremely good titles to start and then expand it over time. Right. Don't give people overload because there's enough stuff to do out there. Yeah. Well, it's like what Valiant did when they did their huge relaunch a few years back. Um, start small, start focused, and earn the trust of the readers as you go, and then you can expand, and you know they'll be with you. Absolutely. Business planning. The, the Star Wars books are the only things I'm ordering in floppy format from Marvel. Anything else, I kind of write down on a list and wait for a trade for the most part. I'm still getting Thor, Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange. I think one or two others I can't think of right now for Marvel. I think I have the first three of Doctor Strange, and then I took a break till I get through that, and then you say you just read issue five. Okay, anything looking good in the uh, trade and hardcover section? I was drawn immediately to the Doctor Strange omnibus on page 107. Terrific Alex Ross cover there, speak of the devil. And it reprints like 35 uh, Silver Age Doctor Strange stories from the beginning of his career in Strange Tales. And uh, also Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 2, 456 pages, $75, big hardcover volume. Half off at DCB service. Did we mention there's a movie coming out? Really? You don't say. What? With a guy that had the name of Gumberbatch. Gumberbatch. The <laughs> Britishest name since Lord Willington Wemsleydale III. <laughs> um, I'd like to point out the Brian Michael Bendis crime noir omnibus hardcover. Mm. That is a glorious collection of some fantastic comics um, from back in Bendis's early indie days. days. Um, some of these were these were the stories that made, made Brian Bendis who he is. Made him who he is, mm -hmm. but I mean that's where I fell in love with Bendis. He's one of my favorite writers. Um, a lot of people I know grow frustrated with this sort of uh, the David Mamet style theatrical writing that he does. Uh, I love it. I love the conversational nature of it. I, I love how naturalistic it feels when you read it on the page. It maybe doesn't work for every story, but it definitely works for this crime stuff that he does and some very choice superhero books. That yeah, he and another interesting thing, uh, Bendis was an artist when he started. This is true. So all of the stories in this omnibus are drawn by Brian Bendis Heavily well. photo-referenced. Well, sure, but mm -hmm. you can say the same about a number of sure, beloved sure. modern artists, mm -hmm. so that's not exactly a, a knock on it. Um, so this book collects uh, Goldfish, uh, collects um, Jinx, collects torso, uh, just some spectacular stories. Um, as the title suggests, they're all crime noir of a sort. Great humor in them, uh, a lot of good dark turns, a lot of great mystery setups. It's it's really fun comics. And that whole thing is on page 95. Up on, let's see, 127 is what it would be. I know that these adult-type coloring books are all the rage right now since about Christmas time, <laughs> but I have to say I am intrigued at the Color Your Own Little Marvel by Scotty Young. Um, yes. That, that would be a lot of fun to color. If anyone was going to get their own coloring book, Scotty yeah, is the guy. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah. His stuff is so much fun. And, and I don't know if anybody has more fun doing it than he does. It just... 
the the joy comes out in these pictures. On page 134 and 135, to coincide with uh, the X-Men Apocalypse movie, a whole slew of X-Men Apocalypse-related trades. To no one's surprise at all. I don't know. It might surprise some. There's a lot of people who are convinced that Marvel is trying to tank their X-Men books in order to screw Fox. Oh, no. I'm sure Marvel wants money. Yeah, they're not leaving money. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure Marvel wants money, too. (laughs) Well, and and I'm happy to see uh, these Age of Apocalypse trades because I I keep debating about getting rid of all my floppies, but I didn't want omnibuses of them, but I'll I'll take nice trades. Yep. And they are some of Age of Apocalypse is some of my favorite oh. X Men stories. Oh, yeah. oh you're, you're talking about the comics of our childhood now. Exactly. Right. When that yeah. happened, I mean, we were what, like twelve or something like that. Oh my we god, were the pretty perfect young. age. Yeah, we were like, "What's going on? <laughs> Everything's different, and we hadn't experienced this before." So we're like, "Is this just how it's going to be now?" I was in my early twenties, and I was reading them. I was sixteen. It was a very good year. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was uh, one of the best and most ambitious comic oh, yeah. store, like the, one of the top five oh, yeah. best, most ambitious of the year, of the 90s. And it worked. It did. And it worked well. Yeah. Start to finish, well-conceived, yeah. well-marketed. They, they've tried to hit that note again, um, most notably with things like House of M. Uh, but I don't think any of the also-rans or do-overs ever worked as well as the original. No. Nope. no. Never no. has the same impact the second time. Right. Yeah. Single tier. That's all I had for Marvel. That's all we get. Um, page 138 and 139, we have a couple of uh, 80s and 90s Spidey story collections. Uh, focusing on some of Spidey's villains, there's a Spider-Man tombstone collection here of uh, Jerry Conway's early appearances of the uh, albino gangster known as Tombstone. And on page 139, Carnage Classic, trade of some uh, symbiote frolics there, but with uh, Venom and Carnage going up against Spidey. It's, it's stories from when I was just first getting into comics, so it strikes a nostalgic chord with me. And a second volume of the Infinity Watch, uh, uh, collecting the Adam Warlock in the Infinity Watch series. That's on page 140. Okay, we all done with Marvel then? All done. I believe. All right. Let us forge on then into the unexplored territory of the back of the book. (laughs) The back of the book. Now, page 254 under Abstract Studios has the final issue of Rachel Rising. Yeah, that caught me by surprise when I saw a short time ago uh, through Twitter that it was coming to an end. Yeah. I'm like, I've been getting that since the the first issue. I've been reading it faithfully. Uh, I very much enjoy it. It's Terry Moore. Sometimes I forget what's going on because it's it's like there's you know like uh, unlike most people they don't have like previously on sure sure it's just all there. I have to go back and read it to catch up because I I forget things. It's so densely plotted out and some really great twists and turns. And I, I'm gonna be starting to see it go because it's just a wonderful book. So my, I might just before this issue comes out, I'm gonna have to go back and reread them all again in order. Sure, just sure. Get the nice okay. There's there's an ending. Yeah. Um, really good stuff. And I haven't heard of anything he's working on next. Like sometimes you get a little bit of a, right, right. a, a I'm murmur. Not sure. I'm not sure. Um, on page 256 is the all-encompassing volumes of Strangers in Paradise and the one volume of Echo, if anybody missed those. 
Good comics. Good comics. Ah, yes, our friends at Action Lab Entertainment, celebrating their fifth anniversary, it seems. And they're doing so in high fashion here. They're doing their own version of a uh, continuity-establishing multiverse story. So they call it Actionverse, and it's about a bad guy named Cascade who's uh, going around starting shit in the parallel universes occupied by a bunch of different action comics characters – I mean uh, Action Lab characters – so the first three parts of that, including our friend Jamal Eigel's uh, Molly Danger, was uh, last month in March. Um, and so in April, um, which is what this catalog covers, uh, we're getting the final three. It's a six-part story. So that's wrapping up as of here. In, uh, so in... are we going to say that uh, Cascade is going to try and take him to the wash? He's there all night, folks. Bless you, Adam. <laughs> Bless you. Tip your waitress uh, well. Two shows on Saturday. Page 261 in the Action Lab section. Um, a spotlight on Superhuman Resources Season 1. Uh, full color, 128 pages, fourteen ninety nine. I remember getting the first issue of this within, you know, whenever it started coming out, way back when, um, in the early days of CGS hopping around to different conventions. The Justice League meets The Office. It was a fun, fun book. Didn't we have these guys on the show at one point? I want to say yes. I, my memory fails me. Because I absolutely remember the art here. I remember mm-hmm. this series, and I remember the yeah. name Justin Bleep. Yep. It's- Justin Bleep, yep. Justin yes. Bleep was the artist. Uh, it was a really good comic. It was a great concept. Uh, I, I think it was a concept ahead of its time when it was yeah. coming out. I'm surprised that's, uh, yeah, that's being out. Like, I thought Justin went and he was working for Lego for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah, but these are, they're collecting the old stuff. Right, right. Oh, it's it's that, really good stuff. Yep, season two is coming next month from Action Lab. Oh, excellent. excellent. Justin good. must be doing something or has or somebody just, working with yeah. him. I would be glad to see more. I remember being sad when the original run stopped. He had such a hard time finding a publisher and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right, hang on a second. Oh, episode, I think I just read episode 546, Any Spotlight. In this episode, we take a look at um, Superhuman Resources. There you go. I don't know if there's uh, an, an interview with that or not, but that's... We at least looked at it and talked about it. Right. Our dedicated staff archivist, ladies and gentlemen. Your memory did not fail you there, sir. Page 274 and 275 under American Mythology, The Pink Panther, number one. <laughs> How about that? I love the ant and the aardvark cover on the next page. <laughs> I'm just glad that they're daring to use those characters. Oh, oh you're not kidding. I loved those cartoons. Ant! Hey, ant! Oh, <laughs> Jackie Mason, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Or at least somebody doing a really yeah, good Yeah, really good. Right, yeah, right, Bob right. Holt, I think, is the man's name. Oh, oh really? Okay. Voice artist. Okay. He, he did a lot of voices. He did the voices for the Lorax. Uh, okay. Yeah, so he was employed yeah. by DePatty Freeling for a lot of those, like, Susian-type projects and also for, for that. And then uh, some of the – now. Who do you say it was? Bob Holt. Um, looks like it might be Eddie Garver in the style of Jackie Mason. No, my mistake. If I'm reading my interweb correctly here. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for correcting me on that because I want to be in the know. I'm I'm not the the biggest fan of variant covers, but I have to say, with one cover being Pink Panther and the Inspector and the Aardvark, you have the man underwater with Pink Panther coming out of, tre- of a treasure chest, treasure chest, and 
uh, Pink Panther and the man painting a pole pink and blue as happens in one one or more of their cartoons. What what a riot of great covers. <laughs> and this is a character that your kids know, thanks to Oh, yes, they do. We have a, a, a DVD volume of four or five discs of Pink Panther cartoons. And, and they are mostly Pink Panther. I don't think there's any... Aardvarks and ants or um, Inspector ones on there, much to my right. dismay. What was the little guy, French guy with the Inspector? What was his oh, name? Oh, oh, yeah, boy. I, I do not remember. I don't remember his name. Don't say si, say we. Oui. Yeah. Si, I mean we. Oh, but they, they uh, watch those off, off to the internet again. I'm sorry. I'll go back to The Pink Panther cartoons like crazy as they are grown up. Um, at work, we have a running gag uh, that I spy on one of the other uh, groups when we were doing the Christmas competition at work. Uh, the decorating thing, and um, the one time I sent them all an email with the theme song to the inspector, the do-do-do-do. Which I think is the music from A Shot in the Dark. It might be. Do-do! Do-do! Well, how could I not remember a name like that? What was his name? D-E-U-X-D-E-U-X. Do-do. Do-do. Don't say see, see we. See, I mean we. All right, I'm sorry. Go back to my childhood again. Pat Harrington Jr. was in that. Oh, my God. Larry Storch! Larry Storch was in it. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody's mind just got blown. Oh, I'm sorry. Turn my mic down if you have to. On um, the next page, 276, we have under, again, still American mythology. For those who liked it, Stargate Atlantis is number two. So last month uh, must have been their number one. Ah, I see on page 282, there's a, a new issue of Afterlife with Archie coming out. Ah. Number nine. Yeah. Number nine. Before I forget, Pink Panther was 45% off the main cover through DCBService.com. Nice. Well, that'll be worth a look. So, yeah, I guess uh, writer Roberto Aguirre Sacasa has uh, torn himself away from Excellent. advising on the Supergirl TV show long enough to give us another issue of that. And we still have our friend Francisco Francavilla doing the artwork. So it's going to look real good. <laughs> Counting on it. Oh, yeah. Up on um, page 300, under United Plankton Pictures, we have SpongeBob Comics with uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. That's never a bad thing. The Ballad of Barnacle Bill Part 2. Yep. It's, a, it's an arc, which you don't get in the SpongeBob series that often. Love the great gold key yeah. tribute cover. Oh, out. yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to hop back to page 292 real quick here um, under Avatar. Um, a new horror anthology coming out here, um, masterminded uh, in part at least by Alan Moore, uh, who is uh, collaborating with Kevin O'Neill. And this is going to be an anthology of different horror stories. Um, and there's a whole essay here on page 291 from Alan Moore about how – He's tired of all these recycled ideas and these uh, single-premise, endlessly elongated uh, serializations of things and uh, how he, he thinks only self-contained stories can really grab us by the throat. And he's, he's going on and on nostalgically about the old seedy movie palaces of London that he remembers from his youth. And uh, and here we are. And he, So I guess he and Kevin O'Neill are going to be contributing a self-contained horror story to each issue of Cinema Purgatorio this anthology, uh, each month. But uh, ironically enough, uh, kind of undercutting what uh, Mr. Moore said in that essay, if I'm reading this correctly, it seems that there are also going to be a bunch of serialized strips happening in each issue. <laughs> like, for example, Code Prue, which we did as an off-the-rack pick uh, 
last month. And uh, so that uh, is no longer being published as a, an, an autonomous series, apparently. It will now be one of the several features in Cinema Purgatorio, Garth Ennis's Code Proof. But we've also got some content from uh, Christos Engage, uh, a serial called The Vast. Kieran Gillen, great writer, he's doing something called Modded, a future where monsters are pitted against each other with a goal of catching them all. Sounds a little bit like Pokemon. Pokemon? Uh, what? Hmm. Yes, what is this thing I've just mentioned? Hmm. I'm sure they have no idea. And, uh, is there going um, to be a gold and silver variant cover? Hmm. Perhaps a sun and moon variant cover if we're going to be topical. hey and uh, a more perfect union, which is uh, the Civil War, but with giant insects. <laughs> <laughs> so some interesting ideas happening there. And the first issue is, wait for it, half off at DCB service. What? The, the Kevin O'Neill cover, yes. Mm. All right. Madness. $2.99 instead of five ninety. Correct. And there is Alan Moore content in there, so a lot of people are going to be interested in that just for that. Up on page uh, 304 in the boom section for those who would like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink 1 of 6, a miniseries featuring the Pink Ranger. So what does this franchise mean to you guys, Adam and Comfort? You know, we were just, just on the wrong end of the age spectrum Mm -hmm. when that came out. I remember trying really hard to get into Power Rangers, but I was like a year or two too old. Um, watched a lot of the first season. I wanted to get, but I just kept thinking, like, I liked this better when it was Voltron. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't get past the uh, cheesy production values, the zippers on the monster suits. I think too, just the way that they played the characters and stuff. Like, it, it, that was a show that was coming out around the time that Batman the animated series was happening, and you're yeah. like, "Well, I'm, you know what? I'm just older now." Yeah. Yeah. I've tried my best. The Green Ranger, sure, but eh. actually, I think it was the Green Ranger that threw it. Like I was, <laughs> I was just like, "It's too much." Like, God damn it, Tommy! There's nothing else really on right now, and I'm young enough that I need something to watch. Or I'll be bored, and that's the worst. Um, but then the Green <laughs> Ranger comes along, and the whole show becomes about him, and suddenly. Every friggin' episode, he's got to be there solving all the problems. And it's like, why bother having the other dudes when his one Zord on its own can solve all the problems? Clearly, was... we knew enough mm. and watched enough mm. of Power Rangers to have deep conversations about the beginning of Power like, Rangers. Why have the, at least Voltron would have the individual lines doing things effectively. So you're like, oh, well, there's some reason. It's just the giant. The, you know, the, the end boss is the one that needs Voltron and the Blazing Sword. But every episode, I don't remember if the individual Zords even did anything in Power Rangers except show up and then immediately form the Megazord thingamajig. And then Green Ranger comes along and is like, well, everybody else is irrelevant now. Ah, <laughs> I always hated that. I hated when the, the mystery guest star became the entire show. It's right? like when everything in the X-Men became about Wolverine. It's a team book, damn it. Hmm. Rant over? Rant over. There we go. Yeah. I don't really remember the individual Zords doing very much either, Adam. <laughs> no, but, of course, they were, they were limited with whatever footage they had access to from sure. Japan. So that might have been yeah. part of it. But and anyway. I think they were cutting together two separate shows. Yes. At least. And adding new American footage. So it, it was hard to make it, was it all an amalgamation. Yep. As time went on, they were kind of forced to draw from other shows, too, which is why the Zords kept changing into other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On... um. Page 309, something interesting, at least to me. Big Trouble in Little China, illustrated novel, Big Trouble in Mother Russia. 
Advanced solicited for June. I love that, <laughs> that universe. That is good. That's like that's really good. And on the next page at the top, Mouse Guard the Art of Bricks hardcover. Um I saw Peter Davidson um David, David Peterson. Peterson. <laughs> Jeez, um, I saw Doctor Who I saw on the previous page uh at the bottom of the uh, Big Trouble in Little China uh featuring s- spot illustrations by Elena Gasgrande. Uh, in parentheses, Doctor Who, and as I'm turning the page, that's what got stuck in my head was Doctor Who and Peter Davison. Um, I saw David Peterson writing, uh, posting something about these uh, this Art of Bricks book, and uh, I'm, uh, me being a Lego fan, I'm very interested to get this and see what they do for Mouse Guardy uh, Art of Brick stuff. It should be fun. We were there when he got pitched this idea yeah, at, at Emerald, Emerald City, City a few years nice. ago. And was like, dude, do you know how much I love Legos? I don't know if you've ever seen a happier person than he was that day. Yes. I did uh, get, go through his uh, Kickstarter fund for um, the Mouse Guard Lego heads and some accessories and stuff. I just have to huh. gather up some bodies to put them all together. Excellent. Are you keeping up with anything in the uh, the boom section for the cartooniverse? Oh well, I'm I'm all over over the garden wall because I, I adored that miniseries. Cartoon Network's first original, you know, reminded mm-hmm. me well, nostalgically of a lot of the the Oz books I grew up reading. Sure. And uh, so now they're doing an ongoing series. I'm kind of sorry that it's just uh, little Greg as opposed to his big brother Wirt being along to you know just to act as counterpoint to, to Gregory. Um, but I'll take the this story and that world in any way I can find it. Plus, uh, the fourth and final issue of the latest Steven Universe miniseries is happening. Ooh. Do enjoy Steven Universe quite a bit. Yeah. It is a good place. All right. I'm ready to go up to page 324. One more thing before right. we cross that threshold. Um, on page 323, just before the page in question, Classics Illustrated, it, they're always reprinting a bunch of these uh, good old literary adaptations that have been in circulation yeah. in comics for like half a century. And they're doing Alice in Wonderland. And Lewis Carroll in comics is a special interest of mine. You know, Mad Hatter, y'all. So uh, they're doing a 48-page reprint of um, an adaptation of that. And uh, it's kind of a high price tag, but I may end up buying it anyway, just uh, for my my collection of uh, Caroliana. That is actually a word. Yeah. And now, folks, time has come for us to lay down arms temporarily in our <laughs> military march across small press land <laughs> and bivouac for a time on pages 324 and 325, where we have the heading Comfort and Adam. What? I wonder if that could, that's, that is a... Shocking coincidence. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> how, how did yeah, we, we don't plan that kind of stuff ever. <laughs> no. Oh. Definitely happen? not a couple of months ahead. Surely. Yes, there was no exchange of messages on Facebook. No, no, no. Never. Never. Purely organic. Is there? You know what? This is this is so coincidental. I think we should talk about this stuff, honey. It, it does seem should. to bear further yeah. comment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So solicited here for all of Comicdom to see is the first volume of The Uniques Come Together. This is a special reissue, like a director's cut edition of a project that you guys have had you know, at the center of your lives for a very long time now. Why don't you begin by telling us, uh, uh, the listeners in particular, a little bit about how The Uniques got started You know, back in the mid-2000s. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, well, Uniques was my story when uh, I was growing up. I came up with Uniques when I was 13, 
And it wasn't, I think, until I met Adam where we really came up with a lot of the stories for these characters that you're reading. And when we decided to start making our own comics in 2008, we were like, you know what? This is our favorite series. This is where our heart lies. And we're going to start with this. Yeah. Um, it came from a lot of places. Uh, we both had stories. You know, like most people, when you're a kid who reads comics, you start making comics. Like almost every kid that reads comics will start making their own. It's one of the wonderful things about comics, one of the most unique things about comics, because there's not a lot of other places that get that. Um, and Comfort and I both had stories. And when we met in college, we started merging those stories together and creating kind of a, an ultimate package that had all of the best parts. And we did. We eventually reached this point where it was... I think the best way to say it is we got tired of waiting for somebody else to make the superhero comic we wanted to read. So we decided to make it ourselves. Right. And so for anybody who doesn't know what the uniques is like is uh, the simple answer to that is it's sort of like Teen Titans if it was an HBO series. Hmm. So what we're trying to do is something that brings together a lot of the things that uh, I think everybody loves about superheroes and shining sort of a very real world an light on it, kind of an way. honest and, kind of And way. we say honest rather than realistic because like we've been saying a lot of times, too often, uh, comics publishers seem to equate realism with darkness and anger and everything's crappy every day forever. And that's how it's, that's how you know it's realistic. <laughs> You know, uh, Warner Brothers films, they were like, our movies are more realistic than Marvel's movies. Right, because they're, they're ultra-violent yeah. and everybody has a bad time. Yeah, look at how many people die in Superman. That makes it real. Oh, I mean, you know, don't even that, get us started. it's baloney. It's baloney. Um, because real life is more than that. You know, you also smile sometimes. Mm -hmm. We wanted to tell a book about normal people that happen to be superheroes it's about their relationships it's about their friendships it's about their lives starting as teenagers but over the course of the series we'll be taking them up into their 40s and 50s and see the course of their lives how they grow how they change and how the world changes with them right and uh you guys met us back in 2008 when we started releasing this series uh at i think negacon uh, yeah. actually i think we might have met you before oh hmm actually maybe I, I always think of Pittsburgh Con of, of that same year. As I, think first I think the next Pittsburgh too. show we saw you at was Pittsburgh. Well, yeah. well, for, Pittsburgh Shane, well for some of us it was Pittsburgh because Shane wasn't at MegaCon yeah. that year. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so either way. But yeah, I, I, I know that uh, we, we did not know you before you guys uh, got started on the Uniques. So the two of you, you, know, you and your work are inextricably bound in our minds. Bound to the CGS universe. <laughs> yeah. Well, bound to the Uniques universe. Yes, well. and also uh, true. Yeah, that's – and – we took a break from Uniques. We, we see Uniques a lot like a TV show, right? So we've constructed it in a series of arcs, of, of uh, seasons. And we had completed the first season of the story, and we started recognizing sort of what you're saying, that a creator can become inexplicably bound with the work that they've made, with the title that they're known for. And we wanted to be known as creators, not just as the Uniques people. So we took a break to do Rainbow in the Dark, uh, which became extremely successful. Right, and wildly popular, and in part because we were just better at that point <laughs> well, and better we storytellers. We had learned a lot. And so doing that miniseries, which was something 
you know, different and fresh and new, got a whole lot of attention. Yeah. Um, we were nominated for uh, six Harvey Awards. Yep, including Best Graphic Novel of yep. the Year. And uh, when we were done with Rainbow and we were done with our how-to book for Random House, we knew we wanted to go back to the uniques because, again, that's where our heart lies. You know, but, that's the story we wanted to tell. But because Rainbow in the Dark was the first book we had that would be listed in Diamond, that would get wide release, uh, for most people, that was the book they knew us for. That was the first thing of ours they would see. And if we went back to Unique, starting with season two, they would certainly want to go back and find volume one, start at the beginning, and might wonder, why is their second thing not as good as their yeah. first thing? Not, not realizing. Yeah, not realizing uh, that at the time when we did Unique, we were 26. Yeah, that it, like I think five years passed from when we released the first issue of Unique to the last issue of Rainbow in the Dark. Um, so we were, we were different creators and we knew, we recognized that the way people consume comics has changed. Um, there is more access to comics now than there ever has been before. Uh, people always want to find volume one, start at the beginning. They know that they can, and if they can't, they get frustrated and walk away. They'll always go to the start. So the opening of the series had to be as strong as it could possibly be, or else people wouldn't stick around long enough to get to uh, the, the better part. You know. Right. So what you guys out there, if you choose to pick up the book, and I hope you do, uh, it is, as we're talking about DCBS, it's 45% yeah, off yeah, there. I was going to so say that, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's only 8 bucks and 24 cents. <laughs> And it's 152 pages. And it's gotten their uh, refurbished issues and a whole new issue. So even oh, yeah. if you've read the series before, there's a lot of extra content that mm. we didn't have in there. And all the artwork is retouched and remastered. But we didn't just want yes. to fix up artwork. True. Um, we wanted to make value in this series for the people who were there from the beginning. So that even people who had read the original pieces... Uh, the original issues as they released, there would be something there to make it worth their time to come back and see again. And there's a lot of new scenes, a lot of new material, mm -hmm. stuff that we had left on the cutting room floor, as they say. But in comics, the cutting room floor means it got scripted maybe in an early draft and didn't make it long enough. Or things that we just weren't skilled enough to tell, you know, because we are better comic creators than we were back then. Like you as a creator, if you do this for long enough, like we have, and we've been doing this since 2008, you get better. And I think it's important sometimes to put your best foot forward. So people will always be able to find the old issues. Eventually, we'll put them on our website. We're going to make them available. We're going to make them available in a way that allows easy comparison, too, because I think it's informing for people to be able to see where it started and where it went. The, the way that we originally approached the material and then the way that we wanted to approach the material. Um, right. Even in the back of the book, there'll be a big uh, extra that has uh, the before and afters and why we did what we did hmm. and how it changed. And I think for anybody uh, you know, who likes stories, who's interested in stories, or even anyone who wants to make their own work someday, you know, look at what we did and see what we changed and figure out the reasoning for that. And then hopefully you can maybe jump over some of the pitfalls or mistakes that me, we might have, you know, when we were young and we didn't know any better. Yeah, well, having taken a look at a couple of the uh, 
PDFs you gave us access to of yeah. the uh, refurbished director's cut versions of the first four issues, which uh, only encompasses well fewer than four of the original issues of, of the yeah. unique series. You, you guys added an awful lot of extra content, switched yeah. things around a whole lot. The, the whole syntax of the series yeah, is now different. Yeah, I've, I've seen pictures they posted on uh, Facebook of like the different page layouts yeah. from Virgil to the. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting to watch the process there. But uh, so, so as you guys have already said, this is no mere touch-up job. This is really no. it's 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 almost the difference between the original volume of the Uniques and this director's cut is almost like Earth One and Earth Two. Yeah, this is the difference in the story. <laughs> He's so profound. Um, yeah, we we didn't want we didn't want to do anything that was going to change the story. We wanted to do things that would add context to the story that was already there. Um, we felt like altering what the story was would be a betrayal, and that's not what we were trying to do. Um, we were just trying to see. As self publishers, it's a scary thing to do. It's scary to put your work out there without anybody else backing you. And to trust that you'll be able to keep going. Um, and that was probably our biggest fear for the first year, year, year and a half mm -hmm. of making comics was how long are we going to be able to keep doing this? And so there was a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves early on to, I think, rush through the first several issues a little too much to get to the good stuff. You know, like if we don't get to the meat of this series fast, People might not stick with us and, and it might fall apart. And so there were things that got rushed and there were things that got skipped and, and important character moments. And that's a, especially the thing, the character beats, the emotional beats that right. we didn't take the time to do that we always regretted not being able to put in. Right. When uh, we talked earlier about DC and what DC, you know, is at its best, that it's about family and it's about legacy and it's about building the heart of your story and making people care. You know, that's the kind of thing that we wanted to really build with Uniques and being able to go back. We've only been able to add more of that to make that aspect of the book stronger. Well, now it's up to the readers to judge how, how well you have succeeded. And so all of you out there who have, uh, uh, read the uniques uh, in some form in the past, and I know you're out there. Um, you ain't seen nothing yet. So check page 324 is uh, where the solicitation is for that. And they're also, just a uh, as a point of comparison, uh, the Rainbow in the Dark is also being offered in a trade in this same volume. At 30% off. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> a complete series in a single book. So if you're at all interested in Rainbow, it's all there at once. All right. If you like books that sort of feel like Mad Max uh, meets Rainbow Bright in a world that is Pleasantville by way of the Matrix, then Rainbow in the Dark is maybe for you. <laughs> Plus, there's the fun game you can play of identifying all the different uh, song lyric quotes that That's you right. oh, yeah. have sneaked into the prose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. Rainbow in the Dark is like a rock opera comic book. Totally. There is a lot of music on every page. If we could get just one person to do, like, fist pumping while they're reading it, then I think we've done our job. Like Billy Idol-style fist pumping, snarling, yeah! Rebel yell, man. Good stuff. Try more, more, more. <laughs> exactly. And both of these publications have been honored with the Women in Comics Identifying Logo, since this yes, is Women in true. Comics Month in this, uh, this issue of previews. 
and comfort is, by the way, a woman. What? I have lady parts? <laughs> she does. <laughs> Pulling back the curtain on CGS once again. Oh, boy. I never knew that. <laughs> Sweet goodness. But yes, they were nice enough, and we chose this month because we knew, uh, like, our our books that we make, as we've been talking about through this whole uh, broadcast here, uh, we love books that are awesome to read for new, old, and lapsed readers. Anybody can get into them. And for something like, you know, Rainbow or Uniques, and especially Uniques, like a lot of people say anime shows picked up Uniques and loved it so much that they started reading Marvel and DC books and had never done that before. Yeah, we do. And, and in speaking specifically to the theme of women's month in, sure. uh, in previews, we wanted to make girl friendly comics. We wanted to make books that women could read that had the kind of characters they were looking for that had a diverse array of female character types not just one lady that had to carry all of womandom right. on their shoulders. Yeah, I think you can get away with an awful lot more if you have more female characters than if you've got to have one character carry all that weight. Um, so we try we try to have a range. You know, there's there's several girls in the main cast of Uniques, and in they Rainbow. are mm -hmm. pretty diverse in terms of the archetypes that they fall under. Oh, and how. And uh, so we, we try to spread those wings. It, it makes a more interesting, I think, dynamic for the Uniques team, for the group of them working together to have all these different sorts of people to play off. Well, and I think that's good for any book. And I think we are in part, uh, you know, we were doing this years ago when it wasn't as popular to do. But I'm so glad that the business as a whole has taken uh, the change and the turn that it has. It's really been a fascinating uh, time to be in the business. It's business of comics. <laughs> and business is good. Yeah, I'm That's excited. Right. To, I'm excited to see this volume and and subsequent ones come to fruition. Yeah, and there will be more. And this, the relaunch of Uniques with the extended director's cut, is just the start. Uh, as soon as the first season is done, we are carrying directly on through. Our intention, we learned two things while doing Rainbow in the Dark. The first was that uh, we could not quit Uniques. We missed it too much. We loved these characters too much. We had to go we back and We love the story, story and we love this world and we love looking at superheroes through the lens of society. Yeah. Well, that was uh, one of the things you'd wanted to learn about yourselves when you took a break from the series though, right? Well, sure. That was the, the best possible thing to learn is that we loved all the stuff that we had already wanted to do. Uh, the second thing we learned was that we have too many other stories to tell to have to take a break from Uniques every single time we wanted to do right. something else. So any other stories that we will be doing, and we will be doing more stories, we have them in the works, uh, those are all going to be other, uh, other artists. artists. Yeah. So, so that we don't have to stop right. Uniques anymore. We can continue producing it, we can continue releasing it nonstop throughout until we get to the finale 100 issues from now. Um, and yet can still be putting out other stories as they occur to us along the way. Wow. So that's how you have it charted out. Uh, it ends uh, circa issue number 100 with the characters in their 50s. Give or take. Give or take. Oh, yeah. about, about 10 seasons. In their 50s as we bring the world to a close. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The end of the world makes for a 
pretty good conclusion to a story. <laughs> yeah, hard to move on after that. Yeah, we'll see how how final that finale is. But uh, yeah, we've we've got it all mapped out pretty well. That's excellent. Anything else you'd like uh, the folks listening at home to know about uh, these? Two I publications? you can uh, go and find more about us at. Um, Comfortandadam.com. And at the website, comfortandadam.com, we have the first issues of both Uniques and Rainbow in the Dark are available for free to download. Free. So if you want to test them out, the complete first issues are completely free. So give them a read and see what you think. And if you are interested in seeing the rest, there are some pretty great deals up on DCBS. Okay. <laughs> or pre-ordering from your local comic store if That's you right. have them. Oh. Support the brick oh, and mortar guys. We will actually be doing two in case anyone is not familiar with the act of pre-ordering. We are going to be doing a comic strip that's going to come out through Diamond about how to pre-order your comics. So even if you, listener, who's listening now, know how that goes, or comic shop owner, uh, you'll have that as a, play, a tool to give to a friend of yours to be like, look, here's an adorable way to understand <laughs> How to pre-order your And books. why to pre-order words. You will never have had it explained to you as an entertainingly. That's right. As the two, these two will match. Best. Do our best. It, we want more people to get into comics. We really do. Um, we love this medium so much. And I don't even necessarily care if it's my comics you're reading, our comics you're reading. As long as you're reading and enjoying something, then mm -hmm. we're happy. As long as you are here and you're loving the medium and you're participating in it, I mean, that's what we want. Too many people look at it as like the zero-sum game, right. you know? Like anybody who's buying somebody else's book, that's money I'm not getting. You know, I, I think that's a self-defeating way of looking at it, especially when you're in an industry that's as small as ours is. Uh, the way we see it is anytime anybody reads another comic – that's somebody else who might fall in love with reading comics. And that's somebody else who might become a fan of ours at some point. But if they didn't find that book that got them in, then they wouldn't have stuck around long enough to become our fan. So it's all, everything is for the better. Anytime any one of us is doing good, all the rest of us have the potential to be doing better because of it. Excellent way to look at it. Passion speeches. All right. Very good. All right. Are we ready to saddle up and continue on? Onward and upward, gentlemen. All right. In the dynamite section, page 326, King's Quest number one of four, as well as um, page 329, the King Collection, 496 pages featuring Flash Gordon, Mandrake the Magician, the Phantom, Prince Valiant, and Jungle Jim. Yep. All the King's feature characters that dynamite... Uh, well, temporarily has the right to publish. They've been doing a great job with uh, putting out books for these characters. Yeah. Well, they ran into yeah. a little bit of a licensing snag, I think, in the middle of those miniseries. Because mm -hmm. this, this collection reprints like all these four-issue minis that they put out, one for each King Features character. And there yep. are some pretty good uh, creative teams in there. Uh, the only one that I chose to buy in single issues was Roger Langridge's treatment of Man Mandrake the Magician. But there was kind of a lull or a lacuna yeah. in the publication of oh, yeah. But they've gotten that ironed out now, and now you can read all of it in one big package. Plus, there's a new story coming out, as you just said, Shane, written by Ben Acker of the, the Thrilling Adventure Hour and Heath Corson, who did that Bizarro miniseries ah, of DC nice. earlier this year. And 
The first issue with the um, Laming cover, Mark, I'm sorry, Mark Laming cover is half off at DCBS only at $1.99. Excellent. That's what I likes to hear. Looks like Xena Warrior Princess hits number two. Hear talk of that show coming back as well sometime. Oh, everything not too distant future. Everything's coming back. It sure <clears throat> is. There's the last issue of uh, the Shaft miniseries, 4 4. Yep, we'll be talking about the first issue as an off the rack very soon. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of things marked for the next bunch of pages. Next thing I have is uh, page 377. Um, coming out under, I believe it's Kodansha. So I'm actually going to talk about uh, manga for a second here. Um, it's the oh. first volume of the uh, Space Dandy manga. Oh! Is, uh, yep. It's, I, I, nice. I know this thanks to uh, Adult Swim slash Toonami, because it's pretty much my only source for uh, Japanese uh, anime these days. But uh, yeah. this series had the distinction. I mean, not only does it come from the creators of the legendary Cowboy Bebop series, but it was actually premiered on American television before it yeah. did on Japanese television. It's kind of an it's interesting crazy. reversal of the supply chain there. Um, and it was, it was kind of a fun story. It's about this big uh, uh, pompadoured, sideburned uh, buffoon, you know, like this uh, crazy womanizing uh, uh, braggadocio, this bounty hunter who goes out hunting aliens, and he gets paid by the head for each new alien species he identifies. And in between times, he goes to his favorite... Uh, Outer Space Hooters franchise to <laughs> load up on uh, beer burgers and boobies. And, so, and, and this is his life. So I, I kind of enjoyed the, the few episodes of that I saw on, uh, on Adult Swim late Saturday nights uh, last year. So I might actually give that a shot in comics form. I had no idea that premiered over here first. Yep. That's crazy. Ooh, you really can't argue with that pedigree either. No. Oh, the, uh, Creator of a Cowboy Bebop and Samurai Shampoo. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, played a lot more for laughs, but you know, it's not. Sure. A, there, there are a few moments of, of pathos here and there. Uh, under Oni Press, page three eighty three, we've got season two coming out of Xander Cannon's brilliant uh, prison drama kaiju movie mashup, uh, Kaiju Max, which is about. Uh, a, a penitentiary for giant Japanese monsters. Brilliant. Brilliant idea. Makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I mean, what else are you going to do with them? they got to serve hard time. Mm-hmm. we got to rehabilitate them and make them into uh, contributing members of the society. Also, imagine who, who else is going to make the license plates for our spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> I ask you. That uh, We Break for Nobody sticker on the back end of the Spaceball 1, that didn't just come out of nowhere. Somebody had to make that. That's I just logic. cannot wait for the second Spaceballs movie to come out, just as a side note. search for more money. <laughs> the fact that they're calling it exactly what they called it in that first movie uh, cracks me up to no end. God willing, they'll all meet up again. Oh. Um. Pants, I have a question for you yes. in the Titan Comics realm. Yes, that's where I live. How <laughs> you're getting all the Doctor Who stuff? I am getting all the Doctor Who issues. I am actually caught up. Wow! Well, I, I did a, before we recorded this last two days. I tried to do some catching up so I okay. could talk a little, a little current, some stuff. 
Uh, what's your question? Um, just how I was wondering, just how much you were getting. I picked up the Eighth Doctor yes. miniseries, and I have a couple of the trades of various things. Um, my oldest is reading the Peter Capaldi Doctor mm-hmm. issues, but most of the other ones I haven't touched. I've been looking for trades of those as time goes on. But right. you've gotten all of them, and you're caught up. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, it's, it's difficult because not difficult. Nothing's difficult with reading comics. Um, Time consuming because they do put out generally fifteen oh issues God. a year of um, the, the ongoing, the tenth, eleventh, and twelfth Doctor series. I would say I really enjoy the tenth Doctor series the most. Okay, with um, Gabby Gonzalez is her the companion that was created for this book, mm-hmm. who they actually work into continuity, which I I love, and I think there's some great interaction. With her and the Doctor, with Gabby going on and exploring new things, her friends coming. I really think that's a very good book. Um, the 11th Doctor, I- I'm enjoying that also. Again, another good, strong, made-for-the-comic companion in Alice. Um, Obafume, I hope I have that pronounced correctly. Um, there's even a, there's been for over, over a year and a half, uh, a David Bowie-type character in, in the book, which has also been very intriguing. <laughs> Uh, Especially the timing. Well, yeah, I said he's been in the, the book for well over a year, about a year and a half, whatever the, the, the started. Um, 12th Doctor, it's going to be interesting where the 12th Doctor goes now that, you know, spoilers, yeah. Clara's not going to be in the new the series anymore. But again, we have until December till we see new TV series. Yeah. Um, and they're starting an ongoing 9th Doctor series. Yeah. Which I'm very intriguing about. And a mini series of the 4th Doctor, yep. uh, because I never really got into the Doctor Who comics, oh, you know the IDW stuff. Because mm-hmm. I got once I got into the TV show, I was getting, you know, but catching my then got into the sure. biggest Titan took it over at that point. Have all the Titan stuff. Oh, love the four Doctors, by the way. I have that to read. I just oh, got that. I just got gosh, that hardback. Shame. I wanted the hardback of it, so I waited. En- enjoyed that. Very much. Paul Cornell was, did a great job with that. Great. Uh, yeah, if, if I had any quote-unquote complaints about it, it's like there's too many uh, issues coming out. Oh, all this it's stuff. just exploding. But I, because I'm trying to absorb so much Doctor Who stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, I go out to Gallifrey 1 for a convention in Los Angeles. For the second time. For the second time, yes. Um, so pretty much give me, give me all the Doctor Who you can give me. Just just give it to me, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Now, this would come up later in, in the previews episode as we usually get back to the back of the book for a brief few minutes. Um, are you going to pick up the David Tennant radio drama type things from Big Finish? Well, now that's another thing. I know they just announced that. Uh, or they even had, I think, a teaser out today, which I haven't listened oh, to. Oh, really? I haven't listened to it yet. I believe <gasps> I saw it. Well, you know, the, the interweb is all about that stuff. I hear amazing things about the big finished productions. They're fabulous. They're all. I, I have listened to a few of them. Uh, I think. Oh, I think it's Bill English. I think sent us a, a couple of them as well. I listened to a few of them, and I want to get into more because there's just they take the doctors like the, especially the sixth and the eighth who didn't have a whole lot of TV. Stuff yeah. and go in tremendous direction from what I hear with that. I will have to get you a thumb drive of all the ones I have, which it may oh, have stop. been. Stop! I, I, there's it, hours and hours uh, uh, to listen, listen to. It may have been Bill. It may have been another listener, and I apologize that I cannot quite remember who gave gave us a collection of big finished stuff. I know Jamie and I both got uh, a copy of these things. I think I have 
about a hundred of them. Oh my! I know Rod Hendrick, uh, like uh, that. one of our uh, listeners out in North Carolina, gave me one of the. Uh, I think he gave me one of the one of a copy. Uh, I, I I bought a few of my own. I have I had the 50th anniversary. That's the one I need to get yet. I, I have that one. Uh, I also got. Well, I asked the guy when I bought it. So what's? Give me another one to talk to. He said um, spare parts. Okay. It's a fifth Doctor serial with the Cybermen. Nice. I think that takes place before they're really introduced. It's mind blowing stuff. So I mean. Yes, give me all you can get, but I, I'm still trying to watch. I've only seen one Tom Baker serial oh, so far. Only oh, one oh, robot. I, I have to watch the oh, rest of them yet. And it's, again, first world problems, pants problems. You know, I just want to get in. I'm going head first and all this yeah, Doctor Who stuff. It's good stuff. You got me started on Doctor Who, Shane. You shouldn't do that on oh. here. I, I just. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, and at the next comic talk, I said I will go into great detail, sure. ad nauseum perhaps, about my, my experience out in Gallifrey 1. I was, I was wondering if you kept up with all those comics because it's a slew of them. Yeah, and I, I've even managed to grab some original art from the comics, nice. which I will also show you at the next comic talk. Nice, nice, nice. I didn't bring it along tonight because it's, it's going to snow here in about an hour. I know. Wow. I'm not happy about that. I mean, it's only going to be an inch or two, but jeez. Oh, this is interesting. On page 424, in the Tomorrow's Publishing section is where they have solicited back issue number 89. Mm-hmm. That's usually in the magazines in the back. No wonder I couldn't find it. Speaking of Tomorrow's, literally, let's see. Oh, my God. Ten minutes ago, I got an email from my young Eric Nolan Weddington. And I say this timing is amazing. Um, he wanted to let us know about... Comic book fever. <laughs> a ce- oh, actually, I'm running a bit of a fever myself. Well, I'm more of a cold, actually. Uh, comic book fever, a celebration of comics, 1976 to 1986 hardcover. George nice. Corey, who's I- I've met him once or twice at conventions, work, does a lot of freelance stuff for tomorrow's amazing historian. This is a love letter, as it says, to his personal golden age of comics, 1976 to 1986, covering all the things that made those comics great. Top artists, the coolest stories, and even the best ads. Remember there were like really cool ads that oh, weren't yeah. house ads in there? Just uh-huh. other ads? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just it's, it's amazing. And if, if I didn't know better, and the, the cover seems to have him drawn in there as a young boy. I was I was wondering about that. Very, said it. very cool. Yeah, and you know, because Eric wants us to let him know that George really put his heart and soul into this. You know, uh, you know, just time and everything. So it, 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 this sounds like a fantastic idea for a book. Because, again, I know him a little bit. And, God, I mean, this is something that I, this is, for me, even though I wasn't really reading comics at this time, this is when I, well, I was at the very beginning in 76. This is sort of like right up my alley. And, it, again, Bronze Age stuff. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And, yeah. again, you can't go wrong with tomorrow's publication no, you in cannot. any way, no, shape, or form. Yet. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just can't say that anything wrong. So yeah, I, I emailed it back. I said, "Boy, your timing is amazing, Eric, because we're we're in the episode right now, and we're we're just about to get in the, in the back of the book. So let me before um, we disappear from this, let me get the actual um, DCBS discount for you on Comic Book Fever, the hardcover." 25% off at $29.96. So if that sounds interesting, I suggest you really give it a give it a try. Nice. Yep. Sounds All right. like a fun read, part history, part memoir, history, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
George... covering a really interesting point of <laughs> comics history. And he, he just got back to me, actually. He says, recording on a Thursday, my whole world has been turned upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're unpredictable. Like yes. If you only knew. <laughs> now then, page 432. Uh, now, Adam, uh, the current Valiant universe is uh, oh my! It's a it's a it's near and dear to your heart, is it not? Oh yes! Oh, I've become just a stupid huge Valiant fan. Um, I started getting into them. I'd heard a lot of good things, but I only started reading myself about a year and a half, a little more ago, and I have just been devouring it over the course of that time. Um, I am almost completely current, uh, but not quite all the way. Nonetheless, I am buying ahead, so I've got a stack of Valiant books just waiting for me to get to them chronologically. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've been in a, a total convert. And since I largely fell out of love with DC and Marvel mainstream books mm. some time ago, uh, it has been really nice for me to have a shared superheroic type universe that I can really enjoy again, where I can consume everything pretty much they're putting out and just enjoy myself doing it. It's certainly far easier to do that with a more manageably sized line like Valiant. Very true. Very true. I have neither the time nor the disposable income that I did as a younger man. Um, time being the larger issue, I, I get... Time is the largest. Yeah, you got yeah. comics of your own to make, after all. Exactly, exactly. I get a little time at night as I'm sitting in bed getting ready to sleep where I can read for a minute until I'm too tired. Uh, and that does not, that's not exactly conducive to a large and hearty reading list. But <laughs> I make space for Valiant, by God, because I've just been having too good a time. Well, all this said, uh, have you anything to say about the upcoming 4001 AD crossover? I do, actually. I do. And I'm going to recommend it. Uh, I had started here as something to talk about. And perfectly timed, they're also putting out the Ray Deluxe Edition. Uh, and Valiant does, for my money, the best hardcover collections of their series on the market. And the reason I say so is not just the quality of presentation, which is high, but also because they recognize that people like me, friends, do not have the time to follow every single monthly release as it's happening. So rather than putting out five or six various volumes, they had the Armor Hunters crossover. Excellent, fun crossover. Rather than just putting out soft covers of everything, they also put out a single Armor Hunters deluxe hardcover that collected the entire miniseries in chronological order so that you could read those issues as they were meant to be read in the order of events in the series. It takes the disparate monthly releases and turns it into a manageable, coherent, single story. And it's fantastic. So the reason that I'm pointing out the Ray Deluxe Edition is that 4001 is built around the timeline of the character Ray, which is flung far in the future. And Ray is the protector of the city of New Japan, the floating megalopolis New Japan. And it's New Japan, but it encompasses a tremendous amount of various cultures and things. Uh, survivors of some old apocalypse that we don't know a lot about. 
being kept alive and surviving and thriving in this technological wonderland that's being controlled by a computerized big brother type figure called the father. And Ray is the defender of the people, the super cop that keeps thing keeps order in the city. Uh, and he starts discovering that perhaps things are much more crooked than they at first seem. Perhaps there is more than just a touch of fascism in the way that this is being run and that the truth he starts uncovering uh, leads him on a quest that could turn his entire world upside down, as they say. And yeah. The first hardcover collects the first couple volumes of the series, uh, the first 12 issues. It's one of my favorites. Uh, it's beautiful artwork by Clayton Crane. Oh, it certainly uh, is. It's, oh, it's so gorgeous, so lush. The, the way that he does his digital paintwork, it's like you want to put your hand on the page. You're sure that you could feel the texture of it brush strokes so pretty um and i would recommend if you're at all interested in valiant ray is a great book to jump in with because it is isolated it exists on its own uh you can try out the kind of storytelling that they like to do without feeling like you need to know anything about the rest of the world or the characters um and this hardcover edition that they have out is a great way to start um and it will also hook you up for the 4001 crossover event, which is all in Ray's timeline, seeing some of the characters that we know today, how they wind up in that future, where they are. Um, like Exo Manowar wears this alien uh, suit of sentient armor, living armor. We see what happens to that armor over time. We had hints that whoever wears the armor over time is consumed by it and becomes just a grotesque, massive killing machine. So it's the question of what happens to this character in his future. Will that be his fate? Um, there's there's a lot of characters, a lot of stuff going on. I'm interested, but I love If you can tell, Adam Hart's Valiant yeah. very much. I don't read it, but I hear how amazing it is on a semi-daily basis. I tell her about basis. it all the time. We yeah. talk right. about stories every day right and i might not have time for it but i think uh knowing how much this man has decided to gush about this series hmm. i think it's probably worth uh everybody giving at the very least a try well mm. and here's the thing about this particular um crossover event that they're doing is i think it's one of the things that comics gets into really well and it feels like classic comics to me this idea of but what happens to these characters in the future? You know, ever since, I mean, there, there were so many of those one-off stories in the old Superman comics, oh, yeah. the old Batman comics, uh, the classic, everybody knows Dark Knight Returns, right? You know, what happens when Batman's an old-ass man? Um, so taking it this much farther, when you have characters, some of whom are functionally immortal, if not factually immortal, what happens to them this far in the future? You know, it's a, it's it's com combining the post-apocalyptic thing like Age of Apocalypse had the, you know, possible future thing of those classic comic stories uh, and just the curiosity we have to see what's going to happen to these people. I think it's the same kind of appeal that the um, Book of Death had uh, last year talking about, you know, how what are the ends of the stories for all these different characters? Now we get to see what happens to them this far ahead. Uh, it's a really interesting concept, and it's fun to have that kind of creative playtime, I think. And 4001 <laughs> AD number one, are you sitting down? 
Sixty percent off the cover price wow. at a dollar fifty nine. We hit the jackpot, ladies and gentlemen. And, yeah. and and you can choose any of the five covers, whether it's the Crane cover, the Lotte cover, the Bodenheim cover, the Replica Henry cover, or even the blank cover. All each available to order individually at sixty percent off. Mm-hmm. Wow. And 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 and, and why and, am I yelling? I'm sorry. <laughs> because you're it's exciting. You're you. That's I am me. I gotta be me. Yeah. No one else will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who else could you be but who you are? Yeah. Uh, but and and uh, we have decided actually to make 4001 AD number one, which kicks off this uh, mini series and uh, mini crossover, uh, our uh, independent off the rack pick for the month of April. So it's very you know. Uh, Serendipitous that it turns out that that's a sixty percent off discount. That's awesome from DCPS. So there you go. And uh, you know, comfort. You know what you're saying about Adam always telling you about how great Valiant is. As rarely as we get to see you guys, like the 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 one or two times I got to see you guys this past year, I got an earful of Adam's love for Valiant. So I know (laughs) how effusive he is about it. You and I have similar tastes, sir. And I like you know I like sharing comics. Well, I I think we do to some degree at least. I mean, I don't pay as much attention to the Valiant universe as you do, but I like to keep a toe in now and then. Now, if only just to you know just just keep connected with um, our departed brother Jamie, who is always yes. so I, fond of yeah. this iteration of Valiant and the yep. the things that it does creatively. I try to try at least one Valiant book per month, and um, I've been enjoying the. Well, I, I can't say I've been enjoying it because it hasn't come out yet, but I've been happy to see that there's a new Archer and Armstrong series out there yes. right now. Our friend Rafer Roberts is uh, in charge of that now. And so that's the other Valiant thing that I'll be reading this month, in addition to 4001 AD, which uh, we're going to be talking about as a group as part of our Off the Rack episode for that month. But if you wanted to try more, there is a DCBS Valiant bundle. You can try the newest nine Valiant issues for 50% off. Those books are the 4001 AD Exo Man of War number one, the, uh, of course, uh, 4001 AD number one, Archer Armstrong number three, Bloodshot Reborn number 13, Divinity 2 number two, Imperium number six, Ninja number 15, Rai number 13, Wraith, I'm sorry, Wrath of the Eternal War number seven, and, yep, that's it. You have those nine books in a bundle, half on them. And there are specific covers that go with that, but you can't choose them. But anyway, that's, again... Seventeen ninety one off of the original cover price of thirty five ninety one. Nice, that is Dang. solid. DCBS, do you not have anything that is awesome because <laughs> it's amazing? Godspeed, you fancy bastards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so All right. There's your valiant minute. Well, more than a minute. My yeah. Goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Not that we're kidding. Not that we're kidding. No, that's it's just a word. No, people yeah. say. This is one of the longest previews ever, isn't it? It seriously is. We're, it's goodness. two hours, 40 minutes as of now. But it's, it's <laughs> Sweet qual- Lord. quality content. No yes, time wasted. I do wasted. blame you. <laughs> um, let's see. Before we get to the back of the book, um, I'm going to say another thing about manga here, which is yeah, two more things than I usually say about manga. <laughs> uh, under Viz Media, page 445. Uh, I do enjoy some Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. You know, I've, I have some of their two-in-one collections of the classic uh, Toriyama early Dragon Ball stuff. And they're releasing in full color an edition of the arc of Dragon Ball that, re- that introduced the character Frieza 
who's one of the important villains of the Dragon Ball mythos, and is featured in a recently released and wildly popular anime film, uh, Dragon Ball Resurrection F, F standing, of course, for Frieza. Of course. And so here's uh, where the character began and available in full color for an American audience. And at half off cover price, <laughs> only $9.99. Bones. What? What did you just say? I, I said something Australian. Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, this cold is just making my sinuses go crazy right now. Though. What did he say? I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to drive you further crazy with my. No, that's all right. All right. No drive, friend. Just a short walk. There you go. Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. Try the meal. <laughs> <laughs> to the back of the book, um, pants. There's Doctor Who trading cards that yeah, well, feature. I, I, I can't. That I, feature I, autograph cards I, in the I can't them. get into the trading <laughs> just, cards. Just I put can't. It out there. I can't. I can't. I can't stop it. On page four sixty <laughs> in, <Yeah>. the, <laughs> in the book section, one hundred things Superman fans should know and do before they die. Soft cover. Uh, written by Joseph McCabe and Mark Wade. Oh my God! Mm. Nice. Let's you see. had to say Mark Wade, didn't you? I did. Um, page four sixty one. Is that an actual book? Book? I actually do like. There's any pictures in there. The, the, uh, it doesn't say pictures. It says book. Book. Right. Oh, right there. Book, black book. and white. So pictures <laughs> probably going to be. Sorry, if there are pictures, scarce. they're they're black and white. Um, wrong with that. Page four sixty one and sixty two has a slew oh of little golden books that feature Marvel characters. Oh, so that's awesome. We see these in the store every now and then. Yeah. Oh, man. I, again, that's a that's a throwback young. to my childhood. Yeah, man. It, that just takes me right back to those. Oh man. On page four sixty two also is the Lego DC superheroes character encyclopedia, which I'm sure I'll pick up because it comes with a new figure that they're not revealing yet. Oh, did you pick up the uh, the DVD? The oh DVD yes, I did. With the comic boy, you yes, got it? I did. All right, excellent. Um, the next page has uh, an I Can Read Level 2 book of Superman and Mr. Mixia Spitlick, or however Pitlick, I believe. different people pronounce it. Mixes Pitlick. Mixia Spitlick. Mixes Pitlick. That guy or who Mixes has to say his name backwards. <laughs> or Mixelplick. Mixelplick. That's true. Page. I always said Mixelplick when I was a kid. So did I. Blame it on the super friends. <laughs> uh, page 460. Three and sixty-four have a whole I slew know. of Doctor Who books. I know. Then you get into some of the audio dramas that we talked oh. about earlier. Killing you. He is killing me. Then the rest Call of the book. <laughs> That's where I'm stopping. <laughs> That's a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, page four sixty-eight. What would Captain Kirk do? <laughs> <laughs> Take his shirt off and oh. sing in a spoken manner. Do a green lady. Forward shoulder tumble. Do a green lady. Oh, jeez. Do a green lady. Do a green lady. My wife, ladies and gentlemen. I know, Captain. Oh, man. (laughs) What do you like? 470. Featured item. Doctor Who magazine issue number 500. 500. I just bought the first issue. Oh, get out. At Gallifrey (laughs) 1. Yep. Came with the little transfers, too. What did that set you back? That was only fifteen dollars. Probably, actually, probably even a little overpriced. But it's, it's a convention. Doctor Who is it? What the hell? I'm, what am I going to find? Issue number one. I can look at in person of the magazine. You know. So anyway, my goodness. Yeah, I can't look at trading cards. I can't look at anything else in the back there. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. The toys. Oh, hey, man. there's there's a Funko Pop Doctor Who figures coming okay. out now. Explain to me, please, because at the store. Yep. At every convention I've been to recently, even over in London, what is the draw for the pop figures? I have no idea. I have four myself. <laughs> I have um, 
uh, Long Duck Dong from Sixteen Candles. Isn't there one in the studio here somewhere? There's a couple. Yeah, of there's a couple up the, there. Kyle, Steve from Kirby Crackle. I have. We have, um, that, we have that Yondu is also up there. Yeah. I have a Dalek. I have. Uh, oh gosh, um, Anger from Inside Out. Thank you. Uh, the kids, the kids got that for me for my birthday because that's how I always am. That was their reason. Yes. yes. No. yes. I don't that, buy that for a minute. That's uh, that's what it was. Uh, I wanted it. I I said I I really liked that character, and they're like, oh great, that's how you are. So that was a, a big Dark laugh shot. when I opened it up. I had no idea that they found it because I couldn't find it. And uh, boy, I forget what the fourth one. Is. Oh, the Rocketeer. And then Ben has a bunch of them. He he loves them. I, I'm not entirely sure what the appeal is. I know they have friends one out, and I yeah. might pick up a Chandler. Well, they're already gone. I know, but I'll find one somewhere. Well, I mean, along honestly, the way. God, the, the uh, breadth and width. Of, am I even speaking in English right now? Sure. Uh, <laughs> of licenses for these yeah. things. Like, oh my God! Where did like I, I saw Friends pop figures? Uh-huh. All six of them. I'm like, you gotta be. I think they even had Marcel was in. With oh them, yes, with, with Ross. Ross. Yeah. Yeah, Chandler and Joey oh had a chicken and a duck that they were holding. Oh, that's right. Monica that's was, right. was dressed up as a chef. Oh, I sent you the picture. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm trying to enable you. Well, well yeah, and you, and you <laughs> I do. I want you to buy them. You do all too much. Um, Friends is one of my favorite uh, television series. Uh, Carlene and I watched that uh, since we started dating and, and subsequently got married, yeah, and that was our go-to show. things are crazy. When I used to go to Comic-Con... People were like running, knocking people over to get to yeah. the Funko booth. It's like, uh, well, you know, there, I, I can understand things we like that yeah. we don't knock people for. I can knock over a lady for that. Absolutely. But, I, you know, for Funko figures, not so much. They're not the same <laughs> in in that they, they certainly don't look the same. But I equate them to when Beanie Babies were huge. I mean, okay. everybody was going crazy for them. And, and everybody's going crazy for Funko stuff. Can you explain to me stuff. in 25 words or less the numbering on them? Not a clue. Okay. I didn't even know there was numbering on them because I I get a couple and I have my eye on a few that I like because I like them, not because I want to collect them or want to know the numbering. I just pick out certain ones that I like. All right. That's it. it. <laughs> you brought up the Beanie Baby comparison. Are people getting into Funko? Is it is the comparison just in terms of people are eating them up? Or just eating some, them up. Just eating them up. Perce- there's no perception of value attached. Like I think. Th- I think some of them thinking they're going to put their kids through college. No, no, <laughs> no. I don't. I don't see them in in that hoardish kind of way. Um, okay. I see a lot of people snagging them up because they probably have a finite run, and once whatever version is out is out, it's gone. Um, I don't know that for sure, but there are sure. Ones that I can't find. Um, I know Ben's looking for a um, a Diggle as Arrow or even mm. just a regular Diggle. I have well, yet to ever see one. tell me these things. Well, I, well, I think it was a specialty thing. I think it's already oh, sold out. Oh. I don't but think nevertheless, we... I, I can, I'm right there. I'm I for, right there. I actually forgot Toys R Us carried the pop Oh, my the pop God. Figures. How many pictures I sent until, you of those things? You forgot it? Until you started I sending do, them to me. and I do, and I do for you kids, and this is a thanks I have. <laughs> to read my sign, until you started sending them. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I'm awake. I had, I had some cold medicine, and now I'm awake. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, what is in this stuff anyway? My goodness. It says Perks Pants. Crack! Some oh form of opiate, I'm sure. Yeah. Acetaminophen, dexometrophorin, and phenylpryphine. Ah, there you go. Oh, it has to worry about my liver, though. I have I have no idea what, what all that meant. I just know it's in there. I, it's getting towards the end of the show. I'm getting giddy. <laughs> you know, you know, you oh, know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you're wondering why. Gee, yeah, we uh, do. Pants wasn't here. What's he doing back in the studio? <laughs> He's freaking out. <laughs> it's going to snow now about half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> got to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right, stop that. I need Silly. a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Hellboy. Yeah. 
Podcasts such as these have a tendency to become silly. <laughs> Especially as late night goes on. Oh, my God. Adam and Comfort, do you have any remarks to make about anything in the swag section at the back of the catalog? Uh, just that I wish that I had money and shelf space to collect things again. Mm. But we don't, so we leave it be. I feel your pain. Wise and mature. And let me just mention, as I think they said at the very top of the show, uh, Comfort just recently tweeted out the um, Poison Ivy sketch she was working on. Yep. Excellent. So I... uh, Mm. Why, thank you. It is something that I could get done whilst we were talking because the episode was that long. So, <laughs> so on the release of this episode, you can go to our Twitter account, at Comfort and Adam, scan back a ways, and if you find the Poison Ivy sketch there, it was done while we were recording this episode. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And never has there been a time when we are not together with you, either at dinner, a function, an after party where you are not working. Yes. So I completely, yep. 100% right. believe that's exactly that's what right. you were doing. No time wasted. With not, a, not a second not of it. A I think this is a, it's an aspect of this job that people don't appreciate until you've had to do it. Uh, just how much work and time it takes to do what we do professionally. And I, I don't know how people can be... It's hard enough just as an artist, but we're also writers and colorists and letterers. We do all of the work on our comic together, but just the two of us. Um, I don't know how you can be a writer artist and have any room left for a social life. I just don't, I don't know how people You do make it. it work, though, by working whilst you're with other people. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's, that's how you do it. That's the way we found. That's the magic. The balance we've found. Is that's just, how you roll that's right. We just hope that people understand that we're not trying to be disrespectful. We really love getting to see them and spend time with them. We just have to have. We our love heart out doing this it. interview, and yeah. we've been sharing for anybody not privy, which I don't think anybody is. We're sharing a pair of headphones while recording this, <laughs> and Adam is working on a page, and I was doing the poison ivy. So teamwork. Absolutely, and and. Uh, it, it, it's never been taken by me anyway as being rude or, or, or ignoring everybody. It's it's a dedication and amazement that you do what you do, how well you do it. Oh, yeah. We love, well, thank you. We love making comics. It takes a whole lot of time, but, you know, you've heard our passion here, you know, the whole time um, because we love reading comics. Therefore, we make comics. We love telling stories. Yeah. I think there, there are people who get into, especially on the art side, people who get into making comics because they like pretty pictures and there's people who get into it because they like telling stories and we are storytellers through and through uh as hard as this is i do not think we could feel nearly as fulfilled in our lives as we do if we were doing anything else so i guess you're saying we're in the perfect place i'm saying it's worth it man it is worth it well said All right. Oh, I guess uh, we are as um, we have, as Chris likes to say, shot our bolt. Yes, we have <laughs> on this episode. It's, it did. Are you sure? It's been a pretty short run. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't doubt that you guys I mean, have I a lot more in the tank. I can do a whole other sketch here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> She'll do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Just back from the ledge. <laughs> settle down. Settle down. <laughs> Put the pencil down. <laughs> I'm glad we're over here in this room. I, so much left to live for. I do have uh, an Elsa and Anna 
in fighting positions sketch to do full markers. So okay. that'll be delightful. Not that I'm going to do it now, because when we get off this phone, I am going back to finishing the work on Unique, <laughs> which we talked about in this episode. All Unique's all the time. Just about done. <laughs> we have three days. We're doing good. We're going to make it. Oh, God. We believe in you. I have guys. no doubt. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Yep. Great Thank talking you. to you again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great being back. And how many conventions are you doing this year? Do you have any idea? 74. Um, uh, it's yeah, 74. That sounds about right. It's, it's going to be – there's a couple that are in flux, but it's going to be around 18. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We wow. get to go to a show in Hawaii. There's yes. Oh. Oh. oh, that'll be work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're we'll... going to get to see the inside of a Hawaiian convention center. Yes. <laughs> I want a picture of you guys drawing on the Hawaiian beach. <laughs> Yes. Literally on that. the beach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pen and ink drawing oh, in the man. sand. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, we, we have to do that. We do have to do that. It will be done. Excellent. Very good. We'll be watching your feed for the pictures. <laughs> All right, let's kind of start playing us out here. I'm going to begin right. by reminding everyone that our off-the-rack picks from this month's catalog were Independent, 4001 AD, number one from Valiant, Marvel, Civil War 2, number zero, and DC Future Quest, number one. And remind everyone once again to go to thecomicforums.vanillaforums.com and place your votes for the Best of 2015 awards coming up in just a couple of short weeks. Deadline? You don't place them at the forums. Well, go there first, read the instructions, and then place The instructions are there at the forums. <laughs> Follow the instructions. And well, all will be well. you're all about the instructions. I, I, I know you. I know you. That's right. <laughs> Shane? <laughs> oh, wait. That's right. We have to the, the sponsor thing. Well, that's too. all right. I, I was going to okay. go with that. Take it away, Shane. This episode was sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service. That's dcbservice.com. Go to their website for all your pre-ordering needs and check out the multitude of discounts and bundles on their site. It is worth it. Huzzah. Visit us at ComicGeekSpeak.com to send us an email. The address is ComicGeekSpeak at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, the number is 267-702-6642. Stop by The Comic Forums and let us know what you're the getting out of previews. Oh, that's true. i got to change my spiel yes, there. you do. Thank you, Pants. You're welcome. That's why I'm here. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Thank you to everybody who listens and contributes to the show. Thank you, Adam and Comfort, for coming on and uh, spinning your words of wisdom through the entire episode. It was a very enjoyable time. And glad you got that sketch done because that was awesome. (laughs) And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. Uh oh. Oh no. Press the thing there. I'm pressing the thing with the stuff. There you go. It would probably help me edit it out, but we don't edit anymore, apparently. Especially when you're talking through the song. Crazy! (laughs) Sorry. Turn my mic down. It's so rude. Get off my lawn! Zoinks! Hey, Scoob!